Today is Friday, May 12th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Happy Friday. It has been a long week. All right, today, let's get to it. We talk about John 10 and John 17, and uh, we compare and contrast a little bit. What's that about? I guess you got to listen. Uh, was Judas really a bad guy? Uh, the real question is, did Jesus love Judas? Uh, something about someone was saying, well, did Jesus love Judas and pray for him? When he talks about, you know, his disciples and he pr- his prayer for them, was Judas included in that? Um, or was he excluded from that? Um, and then, does God hate? It, it's so ingrained in our mentality is kind of the Christian sayings, like, you know, love the, uh, love the sinner, hate the sin, you know, these kind of Christian things. Um, What's well, usually like, you know, God is love, God loves everybody. Well, well does he? Um, so we'll talk about that. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. No spoilers here. Uh-uh, not today. You've got a weekend to listen to this. And then we talk about, uh, <laughs> quote, the evils of Calvinism. <laughs> that was not my topic, or not my title. And then we get into a little bit of uh, the Trinity. Again, surprise. And then it carries on over, but I've got to leave my own podcast. So if you would like to join on Clubhouse and uh, listen when Nate has to run to the continued discussion that goes on for, I don't know, hours sometimes, uh, the link to join on Clubhouse and listen live or replays is in the podcast description. So check out the Ask a Christian book available on Amazon. If you have a Kindle Unlimited subscription, you can read it for free. And... uh, yeah, no audiobook. Maybe if someone wants to read it for me, they can make an audiobook. Not yet, so you got to use your eyes. Um, <laughs> maybe I can read it. Can you imagine that if I read my own audiobook? Uh, I'm a little like, like twitchy. Like, and uh, then uh, uh, that, that, uh, uh, like that audiobook could not be read by me. You guys have set it on fire. You probably set this podcast on fire. Anyway, so um, you can also check out the Ask a Christian store, grab some merchandise, grab a t-shirt, support this podcast. Um, for all of my ramblings, we really do try to take the gospel of Jesus to the people on the internet and answer questions about Christianity and what the Bible actually presents and what Christians actually believe, not just a bunch of stuff that people hear about them. Um, anyway, so you can also click on the donate button in the podcast description. That's where all these links are and show some support to keep us going. Uh, this unfortunately is not free to do. And please share this podcast with people who you think it may benefit, or even if not, so they have to hear it anyways. So take care, enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you all later. Bye. Good morning. All right. So you stop being Calvinist. I'll stop believing in whatever you think I believe in. We both need to register immediately for that leak I sent you to the, what was it, women's, liberal, Lutheran, whatever. Yeah. The one where you can have have theology that fits your vision. Uh, Yes. You know, I mean, God, I guess, you know, he can take a back seat. Hope you're cool with that, God. Um, his theology needs to fit ours. Right. Um, I mean, well, it's like know, Veritas people... <laughs> does same thing. <laughs> I mean, when people talk about the abomination of desolation, like, you know, we have a specific idea what that means, but I mean, you know, this comes pretty darn close. I mean, like, I think, what, what are you talking about? Oh, we will tell you. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm not talking about you. We were talking about the most like, cr- Christ cringeworthy post I've seen in some time. It's like, you know, two lesbian bishop pastors wearing purple robes and a they're some sort of offshoot of Lutheran, but they still like the Catholic garb. Um, and it was all like, have theology your way. We're inclusive of everything. Like Bible calls it sin. No problem. Come on in. Register today. It's theology your way. Isn't that like McDonald's? Like, have it your way. Like, you know, have have Jesus your way. Or actually sure not Jesus. It's like King, dude. 
all, oh, all the Jesus or all the Jesus or whatever. Like have it all way, make your own Jesus, your Jesus, one of those things. So we need, we've been doing something wrong because these chicks have it right. Um, so register today. Your uh, heresy is only, I think, like a few hundred bucks. Sweet. Anyways, who's ready for Friday? Woo! <laughs> Bro, I still have to go swap a router today. <laughs> Sounds like the uh, Unitarians might fit very well over there. Yeah! I'm sure they would pick <laughs> oh. Bob. Oh, I think they're Bob more would Unitarian. fit right in. I think the... the <laughs> I think these people are more Unitarian than Unitarians. Ooh, maybe they could take Elliot. You know the um, you know who that is, right? The uh, atheist Unitarian. Yeah. Oh, does he have a Scottish accent? I don't know about Scottish. Oh, hey Connie, how you been? Hey, Connie? Been a while. Been a really long time. No, there's like the Elliot guy is like the he's like yes, I'm an atheist. But if I were going to be a Christian, I would be a Unitarian. He's that guy. Uh, I think I know. Hey, Pastor Spaz, what's up? How's your uh, Friday going? It's going actually pretty good. Just chilling. How are y'all doing? Oh, good. Just getting started. Anything uh, on your mind? Topic of interest to kick us off? I mean, it's it's getting there. Um, I mean, <laughs> I just kind of woke up, but uh, us too. I have been I have been going over some uh, some stuff regarding. Uh, the devil being corresponded to the flesh in some applications. So still working on that whole thing. The, the what now? Uh, the devil being a acronym for the flesh, if you will, or not acronym, a uh, uh, analog. Yes. Thank you. Again, super early. Haven't even had my coffee yet. Go have some coffee. <laughs> What's up, Michael? Hey, hey, hey. I saw you conversing with Ding Dong yesterday. He's uh, for a short time, and then I ended up having to, like, oh, my gosh, what a dumpster fire, Nate. So, you know, you <laughs> modded me up, right? And oh, was it was like, in this right, room? Oh, God. Cool. Oh, yeah, it was this room. You can go back and check the replay. So oh, you modded God. me up, and I was like, all right, cool, you know. And I'm, I'm, and then I got, like, really embroiled in something in work to where, like, I couldn't even pay any attention to Clubhouse at all. Like, I had it muted. And but I was still in the room, but it was muted. I had no idea what was going on. I guess Darth came up. Well, I mean, I, I don't guess. I mean, he he raised his hand. I invited him while everybody was still talking, and then you know he didn't talk for a few minutes. And then um, I guess he got into it with Coraletta, and was like, "All right, well, whatever." And then I I got like there was no way I could do anything anymore. So then I got another phone call. And guess who got modded, because I was the only mod, guess who got modded when the phone call booted me from the room? It was not him. It was Bob. <laughs> Bob was the mod in your room. Did Bob do a good job? I have no idea, because I had a phone call. I came back I came back in, Bob, I hung up my phone call. Job? I mean, it was only like two, three minutes, but like... So I, I came back in, and it was me and Bob modded. And so it just immediately dropped Bob to the audience. And then I modded up Pastor Sam. And then I had to go back to doing my work. And so then it was like Pastor Sam, and then I guess Doug. Darth and and Corletta. And I don't know who else. I don't know what happened. But then I started getting furious back channels because I guess Sam dropped Darth to the audience. 
and like Darth was back channeling me and like I was getting like I don't know 20 back channels a minute and I was like what I don't even know what's going on I have no idea so I'm just like I came back in and I was like I didn't. I don't think I even said anything. I just dropped because I was in the middle of a work like emergency, All right. and I didn't could not deal with anything. All right. Oh, there you are, Bob. Yeah, Bob got modded. Yeah. You got modded for the first time in AAC, Bob. Was it a good thirty seconds, Blaze of Glory? It was longer than thirty seconds, Jack. Oh, was it? Okay, I don't know. Two minutes, three minutes, ten minutes. How long was it? Maybe twenty or thirty minutes. What? Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I was in the middle of like reconfiguring a router land, and so I was not paying any attention. So I got all these back channels from all these That's people. That's what we looked for. No idea what was going on. I should have just closed the room, but I didn't have, even have a chance to do no, that. No, yeah. You closed the room after you kicked me off a of mod, and I had never done nothing, said anything. No, I know. Mod. Bob, no one's supposed to be mods unless Chris, Nate makes the mod. It was God who did it. I God did not. I did not do a thing. No, you I didn't did do anything moderate. wrong, Bob. That's not my thing. Well, anyway, so uh, Pastor Smith yeah. says we could go over John chapter twin and John chapter seventeen. Uh, what do you uh, have in particular about that? Let me let me mute up and get my coffee. <laughs> so just to be clear, Nate, the the policy in here is that no one is to mod anyone else unless they are personally modded by Nate. The only reason I modded Sam was because Sam is a trusted friend of Nate. And, like, I, you know, I could not, because I was in the middle of an emergency, I could not deal with anything, and I didn't, and people were talking and apparently having a good conversation, or maybe it was a dumpster fire, and I just didn't want to end the room, so I made Sam the mod, and then Sam closed the room, Bob. So... Sam is the one who closed the room. I did not close the room yesterday. And I did not kick you, Bob, because you were doing anything wrong. I kicked you because the only moderators are supposed to be modded by Nate um, or in an emergency, somebody that Nate has modded in the past, which well, would be Pastor Sam. If that's, if that's rude, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. All I know is I look up there and I see... You're good, Bob. You guys are good. You're good. Yeah, you're good, I, Bob. You didn't I, do I, anything I, wrong. Nobody said you did anything wrong, okay? Well, For the record, you. the policy is if I could put Clubhouse in a literal dumpster and set it on fire, that'd probably be the best I got way to you. go. I but, got uh, you. Spaz, you were saying John 10 and 17, like just seven chapters or something specific? So, no, specifically John chapter 10 and then John chapter 17. Um, it's one of the things that, like, me and my other Christian, fr oh, well, my Christian friends, you know, discuss a lot on whether or not John 10 um, is a point more towards the Trinitarian idea or more towards the idea that uh, there is the separation and that it was more so a act of purpose than a statement of uh, personhood. What do you think about e that, Chris? Everything is about the Trinity. <laughs> this would be where Bob gets kicked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do I think? I mean, you'd have to be real more specific in John 10, like... You know, my sheep, you know, my voice, that, that's the famous pericope, you know, the uh, parable of the good shepherd, um, you know, the sheep gate, all that fun stuff. Could you be a bit more specific on the passage in terms of what we're seeing as Trinitarian as opposed to some type of Unitarianism? So um, for me, it's uh, the specific part where Jesus says that, you know, he and the father are one right during 
this explanation and everything else. And then when we read John chapter 17 and we see that, you know, prayer onto the father that he makes, you know, disciples one with him as he is one with the father. Um, for me, that's more of an indication that it, it's a form of purpose, um, not necessarily a statement of, you know, being one entity. What leads you to that conclusion? John chapter 17, because like if if the disciples are one with Christ, right, as Christ is one with the Father, does that mean that we also consider the disciples part of now the Trinity, if you will, um, part of the oneness of God? Or is there that separation? I mean, we are oneness on clubhouse and Christians would be called oneness in the body of Christ but we're all still separate. So the Trinity is it's God is him, his own deity himself as a Trinity. But, you know, we, we, the sheeple, we, the people would be called the body of Christ as Christians. And as a, as a group on clubhouse, you know, we could be called one, you know, in the ask a Christian, you know, part of clubhouse. So. Hey, Pastor Spaz. Yeah. I, I have two, some two, two distinctions. Hey, Pastor Spaz, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to the John 10, uh, the shepherd, the shepherd analogy, what Chris was talking about, it, I will say it gives a lot more, it gives a much better uh, context as to what Christ is, is speaking about. Because he says, I and my father are one, right after he just got done speaking about him being the good shepherd. So when it comes to understanding what it means for him to be the good shepherd, you would have to go back to the prophets to understand the idea of what it means for him to be the shepherd over the flock of God. So, for example, uh, I believe it's uh, Jeremiah chapter, I think it's Jeremiah chapter three or four, where, where you have God speaking about how he's going to appoint pastors or shepherds over the flock. Are you familiar with that passage? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So go to that edified in Romans 13. What, what was that? I said it's re-edified in Romans 13. Oh, even better. So um, if you go back to that passage, to the original point of the passage, you will see, you will be able to glean a better context as to what Jesus is speaking of in the in the John 10 passage where he ends at I and my father are one because I mean, of course, and I'm not, I'm not getting into the whole Godhead conversation. I'm honestly tired of talking about that, but as far as the, I and my father are one, I would, I would give you an emphatic to say that it's, he's speaking about one in purpose more so rather than, uh, rather than any form of nature which him and his father could very well be the same in nature, but that's besides the point. 
point is, as far as that I and my father are one are concerned with the immediate context, he's speaking about objective or purpose, one in unity, more so. Uh, and then you see, see that's him, right. Right. And then you see him re-illustrating that or reiterating that in John 17, because, of course, let, let's say that the Trinity concept is it's 100, you know, 100 percent true, which it very may well be. But nobody's going to draw the conclusion from John 17 and say, oh, the disciples are a part of the Trinity now. Nobody's going to say that. You see, so like, you know, and it's and it's so, yeah, it's, it's definitely I would say it's definitely one in purpose, uh, one in unity. You know, you even have passages where it says one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Uh, we are all joined together by the one spirit. Uh, he that is joined. What does it say, y'all? It's like he that has the spirit is joined unto the Lord, something like that. Um, you know. It's just a constant theme of unity rather than this the idea of nature or anything. Yeah, see, that's what I was pointing out. At least that's how I saw it. What do you have to say, John? Welcome, by the way. If you're speaking. John, John. Well, Victoria, you came out too. Did you have anything to say about this or was it something else? Um, I think it's something similar to that, but like, it's not, not in, in relation to that. So I'll wait for my. Uh, Chris. Wonderful. Peritas. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I would just say, you know what? Yeah. Ver, uh, who, go ahead. Whoever no, 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 go ahead. I'm good. Well, yeah. You know, I, I mean, the, the idea of the Trinity is not going to live and die on, you know, a couple Bible verses. So I'd say regardless, um, you know, I think a lot of times we get bogged down over like a couple verses, um, like, you know, we're not really doing that now, but kind of. Um, so I'd say, you know, the Trinity, since it's not explicitly spelled out, like some people would like, you know, this is something we see from looking at the, the entire Bible. So if it's saying one, it's like you, you reconcile all of scripture. And I'm sure I'm not saying anything you people haven't done before, but you reconcile it all. So if you if you think you have an understanding and it causes problems in other places, well, either uh, you can just hand wave it and say the Bible has errors and people didn't know how to write a book. Um, or you can say, well, obviously, I'm misunderstanding something because if it's going to be congruent, then we need to make sense of everything in a unified way, not just a couple you know, scattered verses, but the entirety of it. Um, so anyways, I think that would probably be if we're talking about John 10 and 17 specifically in relation to the Trinity, um, you know, whether or not. Because uh, I, I would love, I would like Harold did he backed up a little bit and read some of the context. So you know, I really want to read all around those passages um, to give a, to give a thoughtful answer. But regardless of just that, like we see this, you know, throughout the whole Bible. So if we say John seventeen and ten means one thing, then it needs to line up in uniformity the rest of the Bible. And if there's a problem, then we need to go back and re-examine that until you know we get it right. Or we just say the Bible's got errors and people didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> anyway, so I guess. So, Nate, sorry. Um, what's interesting is I was in a, um, so yesterday um, after I, uh, I, because I, I popped in yesterday when, uh, when Ding Dong was talking. And so I just peaced out, right? Because I don't talk to him. So um, 
and uh, I went into a room with a bunch of uh, – it was – anyway, I can't remember what the title of the room was, but it was um, Muslim apologists. And the former of what you said, basically, that the Bible is incoherent is, is what they were saying. They said the, the Trinity is completely incoherent. Um, uh, the, the way it was written in the Bible doesn't make any sense. Anybody – and this, this was one of the direct statements they made. Anyone who reads the text plainly will see – that the Trinity doesn't make any sense. Um, and uh, it, it was interesting. I was talking to them for, I don't know, maybe an hour or more. I'm sorry. And, uh, no, no, it, it, it was fine. It was fine. But it was, an, but it was an exercise of patience on my part because in, in my this, – this will sound more – I guess it will be less charitable. I mean it to. But I don't know that I've ever encountered people as willing to over-talk as seemingly uh, it is with um, many Muslims on this app. Um, I, I, I could barely get a sentence out. Like before, you know, my, you know the, the line, right? The middle of my sentence interrupted the beginning of theirs. It was very, very interesting, though, to, to listen to. And it, I, I think one of the things that was most interesting is how heated they got talking amongst themselves. Like they weren't, like there, there wasn't even a Christian in the space. There was a bunch of Muslims and me, uh, and uh, uh, Honest Inquiry was in there for a little bit too. Um, and they were getting heated and like audibly angry. You could tell by the tone of their voice, and they weren't even talking to someone who actually believes it. It was it was interesting to listen to. So what were they heated about? Like they were they were disagreeing on the correct way that our Bible was wrong. Uh, no, no, they were they were in. They were in fairly lockstep agreement that the Bible was wrong, but it was interesting. Like basically what they were doing was they were they were firing themselves like they were gasoline on their own fire, Uh, getting getting and getting more and more animated. And they weren't even talking to someone who actually believes it. They started questioning me about it. I'm like, look, when I was a Christian, I believe this, too. I'm like, I don't think it's true anymore either. But this is what I did believe at the time. And it was very interesting. Was I think it is a little unnerving because, you know, don't want to go down stereotypes or any of that stuff. But there is a certain frenzy that you can see that kind of makes you think how certain things would come to be. And it's like, you know, I get it. And I'm just going to keep my distance. Well, you know um, what? You, know what? I, I, you, you may be hesitant to say it, but I'll say it. Um, I think that the most radical and dangerous a dangerous uh form that religion takes in modern society is islam and the reason that i believe that is because well i th- i just think it's evident through through things that you see not only not not even um the the things like like jihad that that happen outside like to members outside of their faith but their their apparent willingness to also maim torture and kill people of their own faith tradition who simply believe it, it would be it would be tantamount to Pentecostals slaughtering Baptists over interpretations of the Bible, the way Sunnis and Shia and Wahhabi and, and uh, all these are the different sects of, of, of Islam tend to go after each other. Like they they can't even agree on the content. Like and a lot of Christians can't either. Right. Like, I mean, I, I'm not trying to be overly favorable to 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 one over another, but but I but I haven't heard 
it, it may have happened, but I haven't heard, at least in modern times, of, like I said, Pentecostal, Pentecostal slaughtering Baptists because of a reading of John 10, for example, right? Uh, like it seems to happen in other faith traditions. Well, I, I appreciate your comments. Please, for the record, state your name, address, and theological um, position. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Chris, if this was a thousand years ago, Chris would totally burn me at the stake. Um, but uh, Victoria, um, yeah, what's on your mind? Um, yeah, so it was in relation to the disciples. I heard something today um, that kind of made me go back in the scripture just to look at things. Um, I, I'm pretty sure there might be a different interpretation on this. Uh, so someone used this uh, John chapter 13 verse 1 to say that Jesus had um, loved and prayed for Judas as well. And I'm like, uh, I mean, I have no problem with that. But at the same time, like, we see that in John 6, 64, and that Judas was an unbeliever. So I'm not sure. Like, I have nothing against Judas. I know he, he did betray our uh, Lord and Savior. But uh, if uh, the interpretation is that Jesus did pray for him and love him, um. I just need to know that. <laughs> I was thinking, what, what are your thoughts about that? So your question is, did Jesus pray for and love Judas? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, first, though, I, you know, I, I wonder, because a lot of times, you know, people go back and forth and, you know, like the, um, if you believe anything, the gospel of Judas, you know, it's like, oh, I really was a bad guy. I was just, you know, doing what God wanted, even though the Bible kind of contradicts that. But, you know, one other thing, you know, we often talk about like, and this is how one, you know, you take the whole Bible into account because one piece helps with another piece. So it's like, you know, commonly from the Bible, we understand that, you know, Christians can't be demon possessed or anything like that. So then when the, the Bible talks about Judas, well, you know, evidence that, you know, he was not a Christian doing God's work. I mean, he was doing God's work, but not for some holy noble reason. The guy was a jerk. Um, but, you know, it talks about how Satan entered him. Well, if he was truly a follower of Christ, then, you know, we can't be possessed. Ergo, Satan could not enter him. So it, there would have had to be someone else. Um, so that's that's not really what you asked, but that's just the, something I thought because we talk about Christians and possession a lot. So, you know, if Judas were truly a disciple of Christ, um, you know, in the accurate sense, then he couldn't have been possessed by Satan because anyways. But yeah, to your actual point, Chris, what do you think? Did Jesus love and pray for Judas? I want to answer. All right, go ahead, Marquise. What's up, Nate? What's up, Chris? What's up, everybody? Um, yeah. So I would say yes to the first and to the second. The Bible doesn't say so. I don't think that Judas's um, his identity as the betrayer, right? The traitor or the son of perdition would prevent Jesus from loving him because Jesus loves a great deal of people that won't make it into heaven simply because of their choice to reject him, right? So there's nothing about Judas's betrayal or renunciation of Christ or any of those things that would preclude or prevent Christ from being able to love him. So I don't see why he wouldn't. In the prayer though, when you look at uh, like John 17 and, and these other things, when Jesus is praying to the Father, he says, I've kept all of those that you've given me except the betrayer, except the son of perdition. 
And then when he continues on down that chapter, I believe it is John 17. He continues on down that chapter. He says, I pray for them. And he's talking about all of them except Judas. At least that is the contextual rendering I, 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 I walk away with that he's talking about the ones that he's kept. And he's continuing in that subject when he references them, that they may be one as you and I are one. He's talking about the them he referred to that he kept except the son of perdition. So it would seem that Judas is excluded from that, especially when you get down to like the latter parts of John 17, um, where it says, you know, I'm praying for them and all those that will come to believe as a result of them. So he's talking about the disciples who will live beyond the resurrection. Judas kills himself. Um, who will continue to spread the gospel and bear witness to the resurrection and bring others to faith, who and those people will bring others to faith, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down to our modern Christian, you know, community. Um, and so I would say that, at least from my understanding of, you know, literary context, Judas is excluded right at the beginning of his prayer concerning the disciples that he will leave in this world. What do you think about that? That's a thoughtful answer. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to... Victoria, what do you think? Oh, sorry. Well, go ahead, Chris. We'll give her two things to respond to. Take notes. So, did Judas, or did Jesus love Judas? Um, God has different kinds of love, right? He has his beneficent love, he has his benevolent love, and he has his complacent love. His complacent love... Um, well, let's start. His beneficent love and his benevolent love are showered upon everyone, believer and unbeliever. So when we say God loves everybody, that's what we mean. Now, believers have a type of love that God has that is reserved only for them. That is called God's complacent love. That's just an old-timey word. It doesn't mean he's like yawning about it. It just means that... God adopts us as sons. He loves us, um, you know, to salvation, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So he has a aspect of his love that is reserved only for believers. Judas would not have experienced that love. I like it, Chris. I like that question. Yeah, this was really good. Um, like, um, I I stopped at John thirteen because I uh, the what I heard is from the person when they mentioned John thirteen, but what you, she said about John seventeen, I had a look when you were saying that. It does uh, clearly explain that um, with the prayer um, that Jesus prayed. And uh, Chris, um, yeah, I did not know about those kind of loves. Um, and first time I'm hearing those words. And I did not know about the complacent love that he has. Interesting. I need to probably look that up. But thanks. Yeah, Sproul has a really good series on this called The Love of God. And he breaks all this down. And so, yeah, the complacent love of God is the thing that people will say both believers and unbelievers can have, and that's untrue. So we believe that God loves people benevolently and beneficently but not complacently. He only loves believers complacently. Ooh, Chris, uh, tell us how God hates people, you know, since you're a Calvinist. Right. Yeah. God, God hates 
those who are at war with him. And uh, yeah, God definitely hates people, not just their their sin, for sure. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, I, I was having a conversation with Saitan um, uh, Brugink, who's since fallen off the edge of the planet, but whatever. Um, years ago now he came on the he came on the podcast and i was asking him about that in in reference to you know like what he thinks about and you know in reference to first john four and uh and he he said point blank he said very clearly like he didn't even he didn't even hiccup at it he's like oh god hates some for sure he's like god it's like god is god is uh is love but god is not all loving god hates some he said that without hesitation at all and I mean, at first glance, right, because we're raised, we're raised in such a, in such like a kind of culture, at least over here, um, you know, where it's like, you know, God loves everyone, God is love and blah, 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 all this, all this stuff. So it's just kind of ingrained that it, it makes you kind of scratch your head for a second. But it's like, well, well, no, wait, hang on. That sounds nice. But is that actually true? And then you read things like point blank in the Bible, where especially like where it says, you know, God hates, you know, like se- there's seven things God hates. And then you try to like post that scripture to someone like I was just talking in a Facebook thread, everyone's talking about, you know, God, someone, a couple of people were saying God hates people and, um, you know, everyone else is like jumping on him. I'm like, well, guys, so no one posted the scripture in like 40 comments. So I'm like, well, have you read this? And they're like, yeah, but that doesn't mean people. I'm like, well, no, read it again. But, you know, because whenever you, it talks about, you know, God hates like hands that rush to do wicked and hates like, uh, feet that race to do evil and like all, all these other things. And, uh, some of them are kind of ambiguous. Like, you know, he, they, they could try to say, well, he hates the sin or he hates the action. He doesn't hate the person. And I'm like, well, read it again. Like it says he hates the one who does this. Like he hates the person who does this. Like it's very unambiguous. Um, but but we have such a, a mental like conditioning that's like, you know, God loves everyone no matter what. Even people who persecute and, you know, murder his children and feed them to lions in the Roman arenas. He loves them. It's like, well, maybe like Chris was saying, like different types of loves. But they're – I mean things he absolutely hates, um, you know. So um, – what we're just conditioned, I guess, to kind of read past that, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin, which is our job. But as far as God um, goes, yeah, there are actually people he hates. So, I mean, if you read that through a couple of times, it's like, oh, um, you know, maybe not everything I just hear in a catchy song or something like that, I should believe. I should, you know, really read what the Bible says. Well, yeah, and it's interesting because – and and uh, uh, Chris, uh, I don't know if you're you're aware or not, but but uh, size is a Calvinist. Um, so, uh, but it, from from an anthropomorphic sense, it, it doesn't make any sense uh, for you know something to 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 be all loving, right? I I don't think that that's something that any of us can really wrap our brain around, is right? That your, um, is that your opinion? It, yes, that's my opinion. Okay. Um, and and so. Uh, you're just the worst. You're almost the worst. You're probably the second worst. Um, so, but I, I, th- I think that it's, it's not, so it's not hard to reconcile with the, you know, what the Bible says. And, and I, th- I think I agree with Nate that there are, there are things like just, if you read it, that there are things that the, that God doesn't like, or God hates it. It, it, it it's not, it, it's, it's not hard to, to, to reconcile. I think it's, uh, I think it's actually a, a coping mechanism that some people will use when they, if they're feeling something within themselves, and they and they will anthropomorphize God in a way that makes it more comfortable for them. It's also about the wording too, because if you think about a concept, when you when you say you know from a, a literary or grammatical perspective, if you say all loving, 
it either denotes that God loves everything and everyone or that he is totally and completely comprised of love, right? Like all God is in totality, holistically, is love. When a better way of articulating what scripture says about him is that he is infinitely loving or perfectly loving or he's perfect love or infinite love um, because that expresses you know, perhaps the quality, the qualitative attribute of his love as being perfect, as being flawless, as being infinite, rather than quantitative or, you know, um, applicable, you know what I mean? Like, like applicable to everything and everyone. It really focuses on the quality because when people are saying that God is all loving, they are referring to a qualitative attribute of his nature, not at least they should be, you know, in that sense, not not the application, because application is going to be something different than his inherent nature. Um, so, yeah, the Bible definitely supports that he's infinitely loving um, or infinite love and perfect love, um, but not that he's all love because he's also justice. He's also mercy. He's also uh, compassion. He's also uh, wrath. You know, Bible straight up calls him terrible. Huh. Um, you know, so we we have to be careful in how we are con, uh, uh, defining and conceptualizing God's inherent attributes to make sure that we're not being so uh, 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 extreme that we're actually excluding other things that God also is in equal infinity and in equal perfection. Uh, Chris, okay, so you then to say something, your uh, oh, mic sorry. was unmuted. I don't know if that was by accident or not. Okay, no, I was just going to say, to just, just to kind of to, to try to zip that up. Um, so then to steel man your position, Apostle, would you say that, um, or do you think it would be fair to say that um, God is all loving by capacity, but not necessarily by application? I like it. Okay. Uh, Miles, did you have anything have like else to uh, say? Can I have like three minutes to respond? Three minutes? No. Hang uh, on one second. Spaz, Whatever. did you have anything two else to say? Two minutes? No, I'm good. I like, I'm like. i loving the conversation. Uh, let's do a minute and a half and see how far you get. All right. So the Bible says, the love of money is the root of all evil. And this would be at the end of the ministry of Jesus not preaching for three months, but for three years. So Judas had the bag for 36 months. In our money, if the average person made 25000 a year times 36 months times 13 people, you know, that kind of money that they had to, so they would survive for, you know, uh, 13 people for three years, that's like $1 million. So to say that, you know, Judas, uh, in other words, Peter could have, Peter could have easily fallen into the trap of becoming uh, the one who uh, betrayed Jesus. And so, uh, you know, Jesus had another role for Peter, so he did pray for Peter. Um, but to say that the foundation of the church, the apostles, and one of them was a bad egg, um, I would say is not true. And I, and like I said, I think it's based on the Bible saying that the love of money is root of all evil, and that it took probably, you know, it was over the course of three years. And at the end of it, when, you know, the fullness of time, that's when Jesus was uh, betrayed. And so, that's like a, I said, mathematically, it's about a million dollars. What? That's a cute theory, but that's not what the scripture actually teaches. 
the scripture actually teaches that he was the son of perdition before the yeah, foundation. Yeah, he, he of the became world. the son of perdition. No, no, no. He, he was before. He was destined to be the son of perdition. That is what the scripture teaches. Yeah, it doesn't say the name Judas was destined to become the son of perdition. It it literally says all through the gospels, except for Judas. Who was the one who betrayed Jesus? Yeah, it's like, stating the fact of who became as such. And like I said, right. Peter, Peter would have so been. This, but Peter this silliness where you try to instantiate some kind of libertarian free will to Judas as if Peter could have been Judas is just, it's not. Yeah, that's, that's what I stated because he denied Christ right. three times. So there's no reason. Right. Uh, he could have not taken that role that Judas Yeah, there is, because it him. was prescribed before the foundation of the world who would do that. But that's the problem that you're running into, is the scripture teaches that Judas will betray Jesus. And it will also be Judas's free choice to betray Jesus. But to say that Peter could have just as easily have been the betrayer of Jesus is simply not supported by yeah, the Yeah, so I said both, and I said the qualifier for Judas was the Bible saying the love of money is a root of all evil. So that, You have that to stop quoting that incorrectly. It's the love of money is the root of much evil. So let's let's please quote the scripture correctly if we're going to try to quote it three times in a row. Well, let's... Uh, oh, that's... Yeah, he's not quoting KJV, so it doesn't really matter... If him changing how I quoted it, he's not even using the KJV. The KJV doesn't say much. The Greek says much. Get educated. Thank you very much, Chris. Okay, well, let's put a pin in that. Fun times. Happy Friday. So uh, let's get to some of the new people. Lou, I saw that you could speak, so we'll we'll uh, let you speak uh, in just a second. But there's Shadow and Knowledge who haven't spoken yet. Uh, Shadow, what's up? What have you got for us today? Or are you just hanging out? Well, I'm about to get on my motorcycle, so I'm not going to be able to talk at the moment. Well, do you have a question on your mind that you'd Sweet. like what to kind of bike uh, do you have? That's set off off fighting for? <laughs> got the uh, Ducati, Ducati Scrambler. I remember that. Oh, you got a Ducati. That's such a nice bike, man. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you. Knowledge. What's up, Knowledge? How are you this morning? Hey, peace, Blubber. I got a, a Hayabusa. It, it smoked that Ducati. Nah. <laughs> I had a Suzuki Strad 750. Does it have a giant fat tire on the back of it? This is what I no. <laughs> all the motorcycle people are laughing right now, and all the non-motorcycle people have no I idea. What my mic was, was unmuted. I used to have a Jixer 1000. I miss it. That was of my favorite. Of course you had a Jixer. Of course you had a Jixer. What do you so got? A moped? Fantastic. You got a Vespa? Bro, I built I built a 1971 Yamaha XS650 from the scratch and put a new back end on it and welded everything and uh, rebuilt the engine from the ground up, pulled the starter out of it, made it kickstart only. Yeah, I know a few <laughs> things about bikes. I, I loved I loved my uh, my 1000. That was that was a favorite. I had a couple. I had a 650 Yamaha and a 750 Kawasaki, and when I got the the, the thousand oh my gosh it was so awesome i'm scared of that bike uh well yeah no oh is knowledge on the phone Lou, did you have a do you have a bike yeah suzuki shred 750 though i i, I did i went from six to 750 but i didn't want to like go any higher than that go higher 
go higher. Anyway, uh, well, I guess until knowledge returns from his phone call. Uh, John, are you speaking yet or never? Got your tongue. All right. Who else had something? I'm going to go back to where the boy was in the room yesterday with the Muslims. I witnessed the same Wait, is Michael thing. the boy? I think it was Michael. Okay. I, I don't mind being called boy. I'm only 52. <laughs> no, well, I'm I don't know. like it, 100, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not quite 77, but I'm getting there. But, uh, now, I don't know if it was Michael, whoever it was. I don't. It was me. I'm, it was Michael. I was trying to take care of my wife. She got COVID after I came down with it. But uh, anyway, it is what it is. But yeah, I have been in those Muslims' rooms, and I have seen it go to exactly what he talked about it going to yesterday, and it is amazing that a quarter of the Earth's population can be deceived by a Quran. It's absolutely amazing. But it's happened. Well, it is interesting because, I mean, you know, that quarter uh, would uh, would make the same musing about Christian. Um, smaller percentages, you know, like, uh, you know, people who most Christians wouldn't consider Christians, like, you know, Mormons as witnesses, would say the same thing, right? I, I think it's it's and and I think a lot of uh, you know atheists would say this thing right like it's like we we, we look at you know we, uh, we I'll just speak for myself I'm although I'm sure James would would agree with me um, that we kind of look at all of you and just say like y'all y'all got it wrong um, so it's it, it's yeah it, it is interesting sometimes but uh, I I stand by what I said earlier about the the kind of um, fanaticism that seems to be uh, that seems to be apparent. Um, but I, I had an interesting, uh, I had an interesting question, uh, if you don't mind, Nate. Sure. So I was having a chat recently, and uh, people were asking. Uh, I, I was asked to, to you know, to you know, kind of give a an argument, you know, or one of the reasons why, uh, you know, I don't believe, you know, I believe there is no God. And I'm curious to what, uh, I, th I think I know, but I don't want to poison the well, but I'm curious as to what you'll say. So, um, when I was a Christian, I've heard this from many Christians, um, earth, like basically this was all designed for us. And it, it seemed one of the reasons I have a problem or a hard time reconciling a God is because it seems to me that if something were designed for us, it would be more hospitable to us. And that's not what we see in the world. For example, um, three quarters of the planet. Either. It says it was designed, Wait, it was designed on, for us. Oh, let him finish, quarter. brother. Let the man finish. Let him finish, bro. Three quarters of the planet. Yeah, three quarters of the planet is covered in water we can't drink. Um, only around 20-ish percent of the surface we, we can actually stand on is habitable to us, you know, can be cultivated for to grow food, etc. Um, viruses outnumber us 
probably a million to one, uh, et, et cetera, et cetera. So there, it goes on. And so, like I said, this is this is one of this is one of the things. It's not the the linchpin, but it's one of the things that makes it hard for me to not only reconcile a God, but to believe that in fact uh, it uh, it doesn't exist. And I'm just curious as to what uh, what the thoughts are around that. So my my thoughts would be, um, first of all, you know, I would I would support your greatest reason for espousing to not believe in a God is simply because you lack the belief in a God. Uh, that that's always going to be you, you know the atheist claim to fame. Uh, that's going to be the best one. Like, why don't you believe in a God? I just espouse that I don't believe in a God. Because um, as far as the other stuff, you know, from under the Christian paradigm, that is all hand-waved away with the fall, is why all the things you mentioned are mentioned. And even if before the wall, uh, the fall, let's just say, you know, 90% of the earth was covered in absolute toxic poison that would somehow kill you, which would contradict with the perfect world, let's just say, would absolutely kill you if you got near it. But if that's on the other side of the world and you're never going to know it, and you have all the fresh water, you have all the great stuff, you have no viruses where you are, then that's just fine. Um, so if absolute death and destruction are available to you, if it's out of sight, out of mind, you're never going to interact with it, well, that's fine. But, you know, I mean, that really is hand-waved away with before the fall, everything was perfect. We believe, under the Christian paradigm, there was no viruses, there was no, uh, you know, inhospitableness, or if there was a really cold or really hot place on earth, no one was ever going to be near there to be uncomfortable. So that, that would be my thought that under the Christian paradigm, uh, that, that just wouldn't make sense uh, because all the bad stuff you, you cite as, you know, a reason you wouldn't believe in a God, we would cite as evidence of the fall. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I didn't want to poison the well, but that's what, that's what I believed would be said. Yep. Which is fine. Which is fine. Well, uh, Lou, so uh, well, hang on one second. Uh, hang on one second, James. Uh, Lou was uh, I, I'm trying oh. to speak. I'd like to bring him in, and then James. Yeah, Lou, go ahead. Well, no, you you pretty much said what I was going to say. Uh, oh. Genesis three, but um, I, I'm just curious. So, so that is, so you looked at Christianity. I'm just trying to understand his his thought. So you looked at Christianity, and then you realized that the so you didn't you didn't know that you said you knew about that verse, but then again, you're asking this question that's kind of weird. Is what I'm thinking. No, I was just be, you know because I mean the I mean the Bible can be interpreted lots of different ways, right? So, but and but you'll but you're only going to and I promise I'll only take a second because I want I don't want to monologue and I want James to get in there. But for for someone like for someone like me, who doesn't look at the Bible as something that should be taken seriously, then that's a that's a wholly inadequate type of response. I understand because I used to believe the same thing, right? Like, the, like this, the, because because I used to believe that, it all made sense, right? This was what, like I said, is one of the things that you know, pulling at the strings, you know, where things started to unravel. And now, it's I was I was purely curious as to as to what would be said. There's nothing. There was no no other rationale behind it. Well, yeah, I, I would definitely I, I, pick those strings up and uh, weave a blanket together or something. Put those strings back together. Um, of, of the reasons that you and you would have, I would say that uh, probably wouldn't. I anyways. Um, hey, yeah, I think I've answered. So in addition, uh, well, hang on, James is next. Yeah, in addition yeah, to me as an atheist, and I think other atheists would uh, would share my uh, comments as well. It's not just in addition to the lack of the belief. It's it's the preponderance of evidence that it, that demonstrates the non-necessity of a God in the explanation of things that we know exist in our universe. 
that is that is another leading thing that uh are you saying you found evidence for no convinces me convinces me to be an atheist right Uh, i'm convinced to, to be an atheist based on the preponderance of evidence that does not support a god claim right so it's 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 not it's mere it's more than a choice it's a convincing right so and and by me not believing and saying a, a god does not exist does not constitute me hating a god and doesn't make me talk about god on a daily basis the only time this comes up is when i'm in in discussions of this for I, for my interest is in those who do hold a belief in this god it's fine it, it's pretty interesting to me Oh, is that part of a response to what John was saying in chat a bit ago? But I'd say, James, um, well, uh, you said, you know, part of what convinces you that there's not a need for, or that there's not a God is the lack of a necessity for God. I'd say, well, let's visit, you know, what Christians believe again, since that's who you're talking to. Under the Christian paradigm, the ultimate reason for a God is this life is very temporal and fleeting. So the, the ultimate sense of, or the ultimate necessity of this God is to be reunite, be reunited to this God and have a continued happy existence throughout infinity. So, I mean, like everything you said has little to nothing, not that there isn't necessity for God here on earth, but the ultimate point is this life is temporal and fleeting and eternity is really long. So that's the ultimate point right. of a God. Right. However, only those who believe in this God have that belief system. Those right. who don't, those who don't believe, understand our life is limited, and we understand that what we have is special, and we need to enjoy it and make the best of it. Because there's nothing after we die. Well, I don't disagree with make the best of what we have, and just because we have something to look forward to after we die, we believe doesn't mean that we just need to like you know throw this life in the trash, like make the most of every second. No, for you, I'm that's not, a lot less seconds. Don't make than, it well, extreme. Well, don't make it extreme by well, saying throw this life in the trash. I, I really, okay, fi- okay, yeah, okay, fine, yeah. fine. So you know, I use hyperbole a lot. So you know, hear that. However, you need to hear that, but it's not to say don't care as much as a good moral atheist without the belief in a god. You should care just as much as them, you know, about being a good steward of this world. So even though, you know, theists, particular Christians, believe we're going to live forever, um, you know, in eternity with God, not in this material world necessarily, God still tells us to be a good steward and to take care of this world. So we should have every reason to, you know, take care of this because ultimately when the atheist believes they die, nothing's going to happen. So they don't have any stake in the continued existence of this world either, other than like legacy and lineage and leaving it a better place than we found it, which if the world continues going lots and lots of years after, you know, us Christians die, then we have that same stake. We want our lineage, our legacy to be to leave this world in a better place. So we should all have the same stake as far as material stuff and natural stuff. But whenever you say, well, you know, you don't, to your first other point, when I said, well, we believe this, and you said, yeah, we don't believe that. Well, I know, but assuming that your know, Christianity is true, this is what we believe. So that, that's like saying, well, just because, I don't know, if there was something that was demonstrably true, and you're like, well, I know that you say this is why you believe it, it's demonstrably true, but I don't see it that way. I'm like, okay, well, if it's true, it's true, no matter how you see it. That was the point I was getting at. So, of course, you don't believe that, but if it's true, it's true, and we believe that, so that's I mean, there, there's no other way to look at it under the Christian paradigm than under the Christian paradigm. I mean, if you, if you want to know about sincerely held Christian beliefs. Um, yeah, and I think, I, I think one of the things I'd push back on there a little bit is – and I, I, don't think you me- I don't think you meant it in the way you said it, but that um, – so, so the reason – so I care deeply about the world I leave behind for the next generation. Um, 
just because I have I have empathy, right? I mean, I've like I've already seen the world get worse, you know, from a climatic perspective. Uh, for example, in just my lifetime, right? So I I care deeply about those types of things. So I'm not like, yeah, you know, once my life is done, I don't care. So let it burn. Um, I I can't imagine. I I don't even want to know someone who would think something like that. Um, and and I th I think part of also what James was saying, not that he needs me to to white knight form in any way, but because I'm con because James and I are convinced this is all we've got. Um, like we are the antithesis of this doesn't mean anything. I want to suck all of the marrow out of this life because this isn't a dress rehearsal for later on. Right. And that's kind of like the, the opposite of what, uh, you know, James was saying for us, like, you know, without, when I was doing my hyperbolic speech and going extreme, but I mean, by you saying that, that kind of, the implication is, you know, theists who believe we have something else and our existence will be continued. Uh, the implication is that we should care less or we have less of a stake. Which ultimately, if we believe we're going to continue on, okay, I get that on like a technical point, but the practical application is no, we should care every bit just as much. And by the way, there's plenty of people who think they're going to die and there's no God, nothing's going to happen, who don't give a crap about this planet. Just like you could find Christians out there who say, oh, I don't care about this planet because I'm going to heaven forever. You know, both are kind of jerks. Yeah, that's. But the, the point is, like, just, just on its face, no one automatically has a one up on someone else because, you know, they want to, you know, suck the marrow from the bones of the earth because they care immensely more than a, a theist who thinks they're going to live uh, forever versus, I don't know, a theist that thinks they care more about the earth because God says be a good steward and atheists are, I don't know, devil possessed and can't love the earth as much as they do or something. Um, I, I guess that would be my point is no one automatically has like a default position of one over the other. I think that's fair. Uh, anyone? Uh, Lou, did you want to say anything? Uh, concrete, what's up? What up? What up? What up? How you doing? How are you? Can we talk about how horrible communism is, or is that like passe? How what? How horrible what? communism is, or is that passe? Or we we already did. That? Well, I mean, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. But is anyone pro-communism? Uh, Calvinism. I mean, I guess if everyone. Is... Oh, I thought you said communism. Ah, well, isn't that just like Christian communism? Ah, Paging Doctor um, Freud. Paging Dr. Freud. <laughs> I swear I heard communism. You know, I'm going to stop white knighting for Chris. He can incur the wrath. Look, I honestly don't think Calvinism is, uh, and the non-Calvinism people, if they sat down and talked in very charitable tones, like Michael's charity hat plus, I don't know, about up to five or six. That doesn't exist, but we can create it. Um, if, in very charitable tones, they're so close to agreeing on so many of the points that they just do not get because each one is like so beholden to their own thing. There's very few things that really can't click. It's mostly people arriving at the same conclusion just for very different reasons. That's all I'll say. And now um, let's see, it's 931. So about three hours from now, um, this will still be going on. But um, yeah, anyone want to talk? Chris, uh, you want to talk about how com uh, Calvinism um, is evil? Oh, sure. I would love to, too. Yeah, All so right, start it off. I, I was going to say, you know, it's obviously the case that God is it's just a really weird situation where you have people who are predestined to heaven, predestined to hell, 
and then there is some sort of display that basically is like has no effect right but he still god still does it anyway and because there's nothing you can do you're gonna go to heaven you're gonna go to hell so what does the display do it doesn't motivate anyone to do anything other than what they were already gonna do and then i just look at the scriptures that they use to support calvinism uh where paul is basically pontificating thinking out loud where he says what if and that's obviously like a conditional um that could be or could not be and uh yeah i just i don't know why anybody would entertain this it's, it's crazy because it's what the bible actually teaches and uh there's a book called living by the book by howard g hendrix that teaches you and everyone else how to read the bible correctly within its context and using all the tools that god has given us and so I would highly encourage everybody next Wednesday night to come to our seventh session of Living by the Book by Howard G. Hendricks that will uh, teach the art and science of hermeneutics. Do you just listen to the audio Bible or does someone actually like go through the book and teach? No, um, Mark, Pastor Mark has been teaching, who is not a Calvinist, by the way. Um, so next week is going to be chapters uh, 31 through 35 talking about context, comparison, culture, and how we consult uh, different um, outside texts to get a better uh, grasp for the language, the culture, uh, everything surrounding the audience that the apostle or the prophet would have been writing to. Well, here's the problem, Chris. I don't know. You, you, you kind of missed it. He can't actually teach a class on proper hermeneutics if it's the case that he's not a Calvinist, that in and of itself just invalidates either his teaching credentials or it invalidates uh, Calvinism. So which one is it? How? Uh, because you said he's teaching a class on how to properly read the Bible, uh -huh. and yet he's not a Calvinist. Yeah, According so. to you, that's what the Bible teaches. Uh -huh. So it's either he's like willfully ignorant to Calvinism he did not come to the conclusion of Calvinism. Um, blah, blah, blah. Right. He or likes, a, to, he likes yeah. the idea of libertarian free will. And I think the idea of libertarian <laughs> free will cannot be instantiated. Those two are within orthodoxy, and we can have disagreements with each other about those things without disagreeing on how to read or interpret the scripture. He simply is coming from a f different philosophical presupposition. And so he is, in my opinion, Pastor Mark um, has his own reasons. And so you'd have to ask, go and ask him. So why he exegetically, um, you know, doesn't believe the same stuff. It's, and well, that's, that's fine. You can have differences. It's but not the issue. So so we can, we can disagree on secondary issues. The thing is, is that there is room within orthodoxy to disagree on secondary issues. This is why you don't have one single church that teaches one specific doctrine. Um, it is because there are different exege valid exegetical ideas that you can take from the text. Now, I would say that I disagree with those, and I can give very good reasons and put up very good arguments as to why I think those exegetical arguments are nonsense, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to embrace somebody as a brother like Nate here. 
like Nate and I disagree on a bunch of secondary issues. I, I disagree with libertarian free will people on a bunch of secondary issues. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to treat them as a brother. It doesn't mean that I'm going to toss out all of their hermeneutic. It means that, you know, we're going to disagree on some specific parts on how to read some specific grammar. That's all. I think it's actually a, I think it's actually a um, a commendable thing that you can have a conversation with someone that you disagree with on some of these points, steel man their position, and and still and still get along. Like I think it I think it opens the door to the possibility of um, fellowship, for lack of a better term, because you know, and but not being limited to to believers because anybody can have fellowship with other people. Um, yeah, just... And and the capacity to maybe learn something, right? I think you missed the point, Chris. Um, do you trust that he knows how to read the Bible? Yes. Do I trust that he has examined these issues exhaustively in comparison to uh, other people that I know? No, I don't think he has. Wait it's fine. Because, so, look, everybody's uh, at different places in their in their study, and so... You know, my friend has not dedicated a large portion of his ministry to studying these particular passages because they are they are not something that is going to be um, germane to the rest of his ministry. So you're saying That's he's all. ignorant to the passages that validate Calvinism? I'm saying that he has not gone through and studied them in the same exhaustive manner as many others have. And that's okay. So Calvinism, it seems like, from what you're saying, isn't like revealed under like a plain reading. It takes some like extra work to get there. No, it, it's revealed under a plain reading. People just have are bringing presuppositions with them to the text, and that's okay. Um, people that want to defend libertarian free will are going to read the scripture in a way that is going to instantiate libertarian free will. Couldn't that be said that, um, I mean, the counter argument is there whether someone likes it or not. People that want to not read the opposite are going to read the opposite. Um, I mean, of course, you'll say, well, no, we just read it how it's meant. And then I'll say, well, sh sure, so do I. And then so we go. Yeah, and I think the same. Sure. I think the same can be true for anyone from any faith tradition, right? You know, like give a, you know, give a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, I remember when witnesses knocked on my door years and years and years ago, and uh, they had their, their New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures with them. And... Uh, they were the first ones to say, you know, we can use if you have a Bible, we can use yours, too. Right. Because you because you can you can find. a Depending on what your motivation is, let's say that not saying that the motivation is necessarily bad, um, but depending on what your motivation is, you can you can make something say slash sound very much the way you want it to. Wow. What's up, Lou? Or is that the extent of your comment? <laughs> yeah, John Lee. That's it. I don't think John's speaking to I haven't heard his voice in months. Um, let's see. Well, Daily or Shadow, are you still driving? Probably. Drive safe. Uh, Spaz, anything else from you? Uh, no. I mean, you guys had a great conversation. I love it. Well, we solved the world. It's hilarious. Like, I think, has Calvinism and, and free will, like, exhausted this conversation or just, like, 
we got into enough of it yesterday. Like no one has a heart for it today. Like I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty like apathetic to the whole thing now. I'm just like, yeah, just repent, believe the gospel. Just, just go with Jesus. Well, you know, Whether so, he drags you or you choose him, doesn't matter. Just repent and believe. Listening to Johnny Hawes yesterday, I thought of something that, you know, um, if everything is determined, then Jesus didn't know that when he said, if it be thy will, pass this bitter cup, right? So it seems like determinism would be something that's like already instantiated and kind of like outside the hands of God at some given point where there is no deviation from that determined um, plan. But apparently Jesus thinks there is a deviation. So I take it that that determination is, and then of course God or says, you're, or you're reading the text incorrectly. That's possible too. That's possible too. And then there's yeah. another text that God says, um, "I wish, uh, you know, I could have gathered you up like hens, but you know yep. you wouldn't." And then there's another passage I've set before you: life and death. Choose life. We take that to be an opportunity. Um, to do well, you, so. Again, you can read these things incorrectly. There's context is for all those, and so well, the problem is, is that you're simply un not understanding the correct hermeneutical model. To yeah, I'll grant that possibility. Perfect. I don't know why you're like interrupting me as I go through this list of um, supporting evidence. It's almost like you're trying to stop me from going through the list of supporting evidence against Calvinism. To simply, no, I just like, think that heckle just, and say that I'm I'm wrong, right? I'm reading it. Wrong. I mean, I can give you reasons, That's but weird. if you're going to go through a giant laundry list, like then I'm going to stop. You weren't saying anything. <laughs> what do <are> you? <laughs> I didn't interrupt you. What the hell, man? Well, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, it's not like we're unfamiliar. Like, I guarantee no one's going to bring up a scripture, and anyone in this room is going to be like, "Oh, that's news to me. I've never heard that." Like, we all know what everyone else is going to say. Like, I was reading about Hezekiah today. I think it's Hezekiah, right? The guy that, you know, <clears throat> Isaiah's like, bro, you're going to die. And he's like, oh, I don't want to die. So he prays. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, God's like, um, oh, just kidding. Um, I'm actually going to extend your life. Did God not already know he was going to do that and that conversation was going to take place? I would have a hard time believing that. Like, I, I believe God totally knew. Um, so, I mean, we all know the stuff. And you can say, well, look, if you just read it, it looks like God changed his mind or God, you know, was moved by this. But um, then you have to reconcile, you know, God knows all things. Does all mean all? So, I mean, everyone knows what we're going to say. It's just, it really is just how you reconcile the totality of scripture, just all of it. And we're all going to say that, you know, we're doing the best we can to do that. Yet we still come up with very different views. Um, however, for the, uh, godless atheists in the room, <clears throat> James Michael, um, and maybe shadow, um, these are secondary issues and Christians still agree on the fundamentals, uh, except Bob. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's interesting because one of the things that I remember, I think it was I heard um, Matt Slick say this years ago, but um, it, it was it was one of the things that – and Chris, try to – you know, hopefully you're sitting down and don't get too excited when you hear me say this. I think if I were to uh, find faith again or have – you know, discover a reason to believe – I think it might be more likely that I take a Calvinist position. And the reason for that is because of something that I heard Matt Slick say. And that is the differences in uh, the differences in uh, God's will, uh, prescriptive versus decretive versus uh, permissive, I think is the other one. And it, 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 for whatever reason, it made not that it made sense, but it, it was easier for me to like if I if I put on my my Christian hat for a second, 
it was easier for me to reconcile that than other positions that I'd heard, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes sense to me. Chris, you know how sometimes when Baptizer Bob will agree with something I say and you wag me your finger at me as evidence against my position? Um, <laughs> um, love you, Michael. But um, Michael would be a Calvinist, so I'm going to say that's evidence against Calvinism. <laughs> Just kidding. Just a little jab. I <laughs> like Michael. I'm going to say that's evidence for Calvinism. <laughs> but he's Come an atheist. Uh, Aviana, what's up, Aviana? I mean, if Michael wanted to be a Christian, though, I'd fight really hard to get him on our team, though. So. It's hard. And Michael, we've got robes. Much better than Chris. Well, I'll, I'll send you my sizing in, in uh, you know, in... Uh, what's the best word? Um, skeptical anticipation. I thought you were going to say kilogram. Oh, phone call. Be right back. Talk amongst yourself. Grace, notice, notice how we didn't mod you there? <laughs> yeah, it was a dumpster fire yesterday, and it was 100% my fault. Christopher, I want, what are your thoughts on Esther 7-4? If you have a Bible in front of you. On what now? Esther, chapter uh -huh. 7, verse 4, I think. Let me double check. Okay, okay. Um, either he made me mod, or it was what happened to you yesterday, Chris. It's probably what happened to me yesterday. That's hysterical. I feel like I should pass it to you. Or I should just have fun with it, right? Yeah, you should. Just start kicking people. It'd be great. I am, a, I am an atheist who cannot understand what morality is, right? So I, I should just go bonkers right unfortunately my moral compass ugh. i know you should get a new moral compass you can do that as an atheist yeah well there you go chris <laughs> aviana what was uh yeah so i looked up seven four i'm not real sure what that's about i mean i know what it's about I can read it my husband and i were, were talking um about this the other day and we were talking about slavery and we were talking about how right that um like how god didn't condone like title slavery and stuff like that and um curious on what your thoughts were on her thoughts about how she says about you know it wouldn't be something basically to bother the king with i wouldn't say that she's necessarily condoning it but just what are your overall thoughts about what she had said about it Yeah, I'm just, I'm looking at the passage now. Um, let's see. Oh, stuff. Yeah, bring stuff up. Where'd she go? Uh, okay. Michael, see if you can bring stuff up, because I'm not in the app. I'm trying to read something. Yeah, yeah, one sec. Uh, okay. So the, so the passage says, For we have been sold, and I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be caused to perish. Now, if only we had been sold as slaves, men and women, I would have remained silent, for the adversity would not be worth the annoyance to the king. And so, yeah, so, so, this, is, so this is basically saying, like, you know, slavery is a minor problem to Esther compared to getting killed. And I, I mean, I, I think most of us would, probably say that right like we'd rather be 
a slave than be killed? Maybe not. Maybe some people would rather die. I, I don't know. Is that is that kind of what you're getting from the passage, or is it that, you know, that the type of slavery that she's talking about? Because certainly, you know, Esther is living in, you know, not Israel, because Israel's not a country right now. They're in captivity. So seems like they would have a different type of slavery than Israel would have laws about slavery. No? Yes? I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I could agree with what you're saying. I guess, like, I don't know. I feel like I don't know my exact thoughts. <laughs> I probably should have thought about this before I asked. But, um, I guess more so, like I said, I don't think that she was, like, right condoning it, but I don't know. I feel like there's something very powerful in what she said, Mom, because to me, Mom, say something back. Uh, she's okay. She says pear. Um, to me, like that's something worth she could show to start an uprising this. over. So I guess Mom, I'm just not understanding, she found this, she you know, on. why she would want to remain Mom, silent. She... Your kids are the most adorable ever. I mean, no offense, Steph. Yeah, mine aren't being that cute right now, though. Kids ruin everything. Truly. That is 100% not true, you pagans. I mean, I'm so okay, glad listen. mine is 26, educated, and out of the house. I, 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 yeah. 52 year old empty nester doing backflips in his spare time. I mean, they're worth it, but if you think that kids don't ruin everything, you are wrong. I mean, okay. Hey, what? Children don't ruin anything. What are you talking about? Children are awesome. <laughs> you must have well-behaved children. Oh, okay. here we go. He's going to educate us. Can confirm. My, kids my four you stuff. Thank you. My 14-year-old teenage... My 14-year-old teenage young woman makes parenting fucking easy. I can't okay, believe well, how easy it is. My son it. eats dried worms off the sidewalk. So, lucky and you, Jane. Very yummy. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. Are you serious? This stresses me out. How do I get him <laughs> to stop doing this? That's okay. He's building a good gut biome. Good yeah, for him. It's good for antibodies, yeah. 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 Good your kids, him. your kid's gonna be like, he's gonna. There's gonna be like the plague happen, like the next real COVID, and he's gonna be the only one who's immune, and they're gonna be studying him. It'll be great. He's gonna hey, can I ask a concrete question? Yeah, he'll either be the cause of the plague or the or the fix of it. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent true. Hey, concrete, you there? That's okay. I'll catch him later. Yeah, I mean, if you guys need to boot, if you guys need to boot me down and bring me back up as a non-mod, it's cool. Whatever. No, I like this. I like having Michael be a mod. Do you like it, Michael? Does this put you in an awkward position? I just want to. I just always want to be cognizant of the fact that this is not my space, and that's all. Hey, hey, Daily. Why don't you ask Chris the question? If uh, I know, I know it's not directly to. Is it well, I wanted to ask Concrete what he thought about uh, about how some of these quote unquote Christians and they they worship John Calvin before they worship Jesus Christ. I just wanted to <laughs> So you you worship Jacob Arminius yeah, before you cool. worship Jesus Christ? 
It's cool. It's cool story, bro. They also worship Paul. Oh, yeah. We worship Paul. It's great. Oh, Thanks, boy. guys. So, um, something that I've noticed um, on Discord is also when people actually want to take the letters of Paul out of the Bible, um, it, 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 does, it does deviate from a lot of sound doctrines because Paul actually goes into a bit more elaboration on what Jesus Christ taught. I know this is my my um, thoughts from like what I've um, discussed because he, even the Muslims want to take um, or discredit Paul's writings because you know they just want um, Christians to stick to the gospel books. Um, yeah, what, what what do you guys think? Yeah, Paul says that he speaks for himself, and Paul speaks against uh, some things that God said. And I will say in an instant, he says, you should remain unmarried like you are. I wish you would remain unmarried like me because that somehow will make you more closer to God. But God obviously in the beginning said it's not good for man to be alone. And he made it easy for the purpose of such, not to be alone. So I just take Paul to be like going against what God is saying in that instance. Sorry, I got a call. I'm back. Cool story, bro. It all went very, very bad, Nate. When you left, I was I was made the default mod. So I did that on purpose intentionally. Oh, you did. Oh, okay. I apologize. Did it? Oh, um, but I don't feel so bad the other day then. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, I mean, Chris just got done telling me what a dumpster fire it was when he was a mod. So he's like, I was working and I couldn't do anything, and Darth Dawkins was a mod. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll just mod Michael because, no, you know. No, no, no. Uh, Darth <laughs> never got to be mod. Oh, I thought you said it defaulted when you No, it defaulted to Bob. Oh, right, right. My bad. Okay. Anyways, the point is, Chris was inattentive. <laughs> and so the room was gone. So I'm like, okay, well, I can mod Chris or Michael. So let me do Michael because he pays attention. And he's a pretty pretty stand-up guy, besides, you know, the whole not God thing. But um, <laughs> anyway, so yes, it was intentional. Thank you, Michael. No worries. Hang on. Just go ahead. What was, what was the I question? I was just going to say, we know how Nate really feels because he mods the atheist before the Christian nationalist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did, you, hadn't even, you hadn't even spoken yet. So I, I didn't even know, like, you know, if you were doing with a kid, but... Someone said, doesn't something disqualify? This is an interesting com interesting question. Who was saying, is yeah, someone disqualified it, from something? Doesn't the not God disqualify you from consideration as a good guy? As a good guy? Yeah. None of us are good guys. No, not one. Yeah. Again. Let's uh, just say I'd rather have Michael modding than you, Connor. In the capacity that you can be a good guy, and you understand what I'm saying. Um, I understand, and it's kind of like what I think John was typing in chat, which, you know, this is this is something I am reasonably, moderately passionate about, is, you know, just by virtue, like if someone was teaching a class on Christianity, I, I would want someone very, very close to, to what I believe, it, you know, as far as salvation issues um, and things like that. Um, if it's just, uh, you know, always default, like it is a real pet peeve when, um, you know, there will be a Christian and atheist, 
and the atheist is being very respectful and I'm trying to moderate and the Christian is like going off the rails, like yelling and screaming and I drop the Christian and then I get all kinds of like Christian love, uh, you know, hate, Christian hate and backmail. And they're like, why'd you do that? He's an atheist, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, bro, you're off the rails. I'm like, I think we should be more strict on, you know, people of our own faith, you know, police our own, because I think no matter what anyone else thinks, you know, we should be called to a higher standard. But even if we were all on an equal standard, you're losing your mind right now. And the atheist is being calm and respectful. So, you know, I'm going to default to them, not saying, you know, you're not going to be in the kingdom of God, just like, you know, any other one who calls in the name of the Lord. Um, so eternally, I guess, good job for you. But right now in this room, you're acting out of line. So in that same vein, I, I know that in the past, due to technical difficulties, that's where it started, slippery slope. Um, <laughs> I have modded Michael, so he makes, uh, you know, he's he, he has handled himself well. Um, as far as if someone comes in, he's like, He's like, look, I'm a placeholder, you know, the Christian's gone, he's resetting his router or whatever, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I'm an atheist, just want you to know, um, so hold on, and, you know, a Christian will be back. So he, he has proven himself to be, you know, trustworthy in that regard. Um, no, I'm not even talking about Michael specifically. I'm just talking about, in general, being an atheist disqualifies you from being a good guy. As far as good as Oh, possible, like completely, unre whatever. completely unrelated? Yeah, I'm not. Oh, sure. By, by, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. By God's standard, yeah. Well, none of us are good, so you know, it's only by the righteousness of Christ any of us are getting into heaven. So, as far as like this this uh, ethereal point, this kind of abstract point, um, yeah. If you're not alive in Christ, you cannot be good according to God. However, the way the world interprets good, yes, uh, atheists and non-Christians can do good moral stuff. We can help old ladies cross the road. We can work at charity banks. So we can do good moral stuff. But no, according to God's standard, no, no one is good guys. Yeah, but the world standard, why would you ever appeal to that? That's just a superficial good. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, superficial, like, there's a time and a place, right? Like, if someone says, um, you know, what qualifies you to, um, I don't know, work at a charity food bank? Like, do you believe in God? They're like, no. They're like, well, then you cannot be good. So you cannot hand out an apple. And what's the result? There's no one left to hand out apples at a food bank because you're like convinced like an atheist. Like, no, your good morality is only good for superficial stuff. Handing in an apple to a food bank is superficial. Give someone a freaking loaf of bread. Um, that's what I'm saying. So like practical meets, uh, you know, practical meets theology. No, what I'm um, saying is that it seems, it seems like worldly evaluations hold weight with you. You're increasing your heart rate. Um, yeah, Joe, sorry. Your, um, your audio is really heard him. Already it. heard him. Already heard him for a letter. So the idea is it seems like worldly standards hold you, which is what I'm saying. Uh, something about worldly standards. Yeah, you've got really bad reception. But no, like worldly standards, like, you know, I would like, like if, if the devil himself was like, oh, uh, I don't know. Wow, now I got to think of an example that I can actually, you know, let the devil help me out in. Uh, hang on a minute, this may be tough. But I mean, you know, if the devil himself or like, you know, someone that's like, I worship Lucifer, um, would you like me to pump gas in your car? Um, I'm like, okay, well, if I have the inability to do it myself, if I had a wheelchair or something, uh, yes, dark one, please, you know, pump gas into my car for me, uh, please. I mean, you know, hopefully they won't try to set it on fire or something, but you get what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if some people are like, uh, no, 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 don't help me at all. Like, I'd rather like suffer in peril than having someone who doesn't believe just like me, you know, do something that I consider superficial because they're not a Christian. Um, I, I don't know how else to answer that. Like, yeah, if people want to superficially help me by worldly standards. Yeah, sure. Help me help other people do the best you can. Um, 
I well, don't know where else to go with that. I would also say that uh, John's kind of contradicting his own view. He believes that he can't tell when someone's actually a true Christian. So uh, I don't know how he's making the determination to not allow certain people up. Because, you know, Michael could always, like, before he dies, change his mind and become a believer, according to John, and be saved. And in, in John's view, he would have always been a Christian in that case. Yeah, well, I don't know. Like Avion, yeah, Avionis, Steph, Chris, Avionis, Steph, Chris. I'd love for uh, some of you to either jump up here on the on the uh, burning pyre with me, or talk me down off of it. Am I, I feel like I'm crazy. Am I the only one talking I mean, crazy? Like he's just he's he just tried to slip in eternal justification. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting, actually. And as 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 the one whose name was invoked, um, it, it, it's funny, right? Because this is this is an argument that I that as an atheist, I like hearing. Christians talk about right this this um this idea of once saved always saved versus conditional salvation right that that that's something that I that's something I find very interesting. Oh, and I do see uh, concrete typed as ch uh, typed in chat. He says, uh, Nate, it seems like worldly standards hold weight with you. Yes, worldly standards hold weight for worldly things. I, I yeah, I mean, if, if Michael would you know repent and believe the gospel today, even better. But if he doesn't. Would I rather Michael try to like track me down with a machine gun and kill me and my family, or just be a good, you know, moral moral atheist by his standards, which include don't murder, don't lie, don't cheat, uh, don't harm other people. So yeah, I mean it's it's you know it's the world we're all living in it. So I mean I mean yeah, repent and believe. But if you refuse to do that, then at least you know follow whatever morality you have that we can agree on. Like don't harm me, don't try to you know do bad things to me and. Sure, sounds good. If someone walks around as a non-believer and they're comporting with society, not walk around, they're doing, they're they're following the do no harm principle. What does it matter if they're a God believer or not? What, what's the problem? Well, well I tell them ultimately for their soul, but yeah, for the here and now. To your point, James, yeah, I, I agree with you. If you don't want to believe, you know, like us or our God, then yeah, it's your life. Choose it. Uh, Aviano, were you speaking? No, that was me. Oh, I have forgot. It, it's cool. I'm still, you know. Uh, <laughs> most of my friends and you matter. family. <laughs> I matter. Thank you. Most of my friends and family are atheist or agnostic. Uh, certainly not theists. But my closest friends uh, are, well, they both happen to be Catholic. But my very closest friends are <laughs> Christian, right? So there are things that you, you know, there are things that I wouldn't seek counsel on from an atheist friend that I would reserve for my Christian best friend versus, you know, there are things that I would seek counsel from the atheist friend. I mean, being a human, whether you're a Christian or not, is about navigating the world. And uh, we're to be, we're not to, we're to be in the world and not of it, right? So this means navigating these difficult relationships sometimes. And I think dismissing someone outright as being like, oh, they're not a Christian, so they are bad. I mean, I've met some pretty bad Christian. I mean, I'm a bad Christian. Not, I am not good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it, you we can't have all this agree to that. Yeah, thanks, she doesn't Chris. even know who Shooter Gavin is. I don't know what that is. Who? What? Oh, happy Gilmore, Chris. Shooter, Shooter McGavin. McGavin. Come on, man. <laughs> does, Chris, does Chris not know? Um, no. What? You oh, my goodness. You gotta watch Happy Gilmore, Chris. Okay, see, he is a Christian, and he is definitely a bad person. All right, carry on. I, I, I thought that was going to be easy. Okay, continue, Steph. Didn't mean to derail us. I thought that would be easier, and everyone would know at you. 
Hey, Nate, can, can we discuss the planet issue again? Oh, oh well, hang on. Said... I want to make sure Steph was done since I inter- oh, okay. uh, interrupted her a little bit. But were you done, Steph? Please continue. Uh, yeah, now I'm changing a diaper, so I have a thing. But yeah, no, I, I said my piece. It's like we Michael is a great mod. I know we're on and off of Michael being a mod in this, to- in this room as the topic, but he's a good mod, everyone. Us or the baby? Uh, you, all of you. I was trying to bust cops, y'all. I'm sorry that this started a fire. Uh, James, what about planets? Yeah, um, your response to what uh, uh, Michael was saying about the planet not um, inhabitable and how how it is that believers hold it, it was created for us. And then your response was like, well, if majority of it was toxic and not inhabitable, yet there was a corner of it that was great fresh water, good living, then no problem. So if you had that mindset that the part that you live on, would you still hold that the planet was created for you, for us to live on? Well, I wouldn't have a, I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with it because then I try to dissect God. So like, well, God, you know, um, is, is there like, if I could, if I had the capacity of it, is there a reason this is less than 100% for us? Is there any possible reason? And maybe God's like, no, um, deal with it. Or yes, because of all the stuff you don't know about, which is why this stuff has to exist. Um, or yeah, I mean, you would, you, I mean, you just have to ask God. So, I mean, there's no way to know. I mean, and it's also like, you know, how does God create things? Like, you know, the Bible talks about, he speaks things into existence. So like, if God's like, Hey world, be there. Like, does he, how, how much like hands-on creation does he have besides speaking it? So does he speak stuff? And I don't know, Adam start moving and, uh, you know, naturally just kind of happen, um, you know, at the, at the command of God's voice. I know this is getting weird, but under the Christian paradigm, let's think through this our way. So like, you know, if God speaks things into existence, then does he make everything absolutely perfect or does he get his intended plan done? So like, you know, whenever he makes uh, earth with, you know, he's like, okay, earth or moon or however that, that came into existence at God's command the earth and moon form. Um, so does that mean there are imperfections you would say with the earth and moon? Um, does it matter? Or as long as God's purpose is accomplished, like the moon pulls on the earth and there's gravity and there's tides and stuff like that. God's like, sure, good enough. Like, you know, if I wanted to do like hands-on every molecule, I could certainly make it better, but I don't need to. It's fine how it is. Or, um, I mean, maybe that's me, like, you know, trying to like do 80, do things like 80% good in my life. And now I'm projecting on God, but that, that's just one thing. So like, I, I wouldn't have, I, I would be very hard pressed to find fault with God for not making things absolutely perfect. Um, because we, we can't possibly know all the stuff that went into it and to what degree any of what I just said was true. Right. Um, I, I'm, so, not questioning, I'm not questioning on your knowledge of how it was created. I'm just focusing on the part like right now, like, yeah, we can live on a lot of the planet. However, a lot of it we cannot. And this, it, it, it presents itself that this planet really doesn't care about us on it. So with, with your response, like if it's back to what I was focusing on, like you would still hold that the planet was created for us as human beings to live on, even if it was even a, like only 1% was inhabitable, right? Like sure, the rest sure. of it was toxic. That, I find that interesting. Well, and, and also, like, you know, we, we don't know again, the Bible does not speak to this, but, you know, we, we can assume from Scripture that everything around Adam was created perfect. And there's no reason to think, uh, we're doing a little extrapolation, but there's no reason to think that the world was any less than 100% perfect. So maybe someone could live, um, you know, a thousand feet below the surface. Maybe someone could live in Antarctica or the South Pole at the time. 
or you know whatever place was coldest at the time. So maybe maybe 100% of the growth was hospital before the fall. So that I mean that right there is enough to that should give anyone a huge pause to be like, okay, well we know this is how the Earth is now. These Christians believe it's because of the fall, and now the Earth has a lot of flaws with it. Um, but was that always the case? And no one can prove that. So so we have no no idea. So I mean before the fall. It could have been 100%, like what we now think is the most inhospitable things Earth has to offer, could have been a paradise. There's no way we'll ever know. Um, but sure. I think we can infer from Scripture that sure. it was. Sure. I find it interesting you, you say the Earth has flaws. Well, why do you say well, that? Well, you know, like hurricane storms, like stuff really? now we would say, oh, that's going to be tough. Tornadoes, if you get in the way. There's no reason to think there was any of that, um, you know, before the fall. So that's what I mean by flaws. Oh, so you think before like the fall? Stuff that will kill you. So you think before the fall there wasn't natural storms and earthquakes and or volcanoes and stuff? No. Yes. And no. Yeah, you know, let me, yeah, no, and, there were not. Hang on, hang on. Let me let me qualify that. So I, I think not in a way that would cause any like it, it, nothing that would cause any harm, any death, anything like that. Because we're told before the fall, nothing not, like basically nothing died. There was no decay, nothing like that. So if there was like I don't know a thunderstorm, I'm not going to say that never happened because you know I quite like thunderstorms. But in a way that would cause like havoc and like you know if humans were in the way of it today, like they can get dead. No, I don't think any such thing existed. Wow, that's interesting. What and it's just because of that was said in in the books that you hold to be true that it happens after the fall. Well, yeah, because I mean, I know I don't know if you're one of the people that said they used to be a Christian for like thirty years, but I mean this is I mean this is kind no, of like common no, Christian knowledge. No, well, oh, okay, no, no, oh, okay. Well, it's kind of like common Christian knowledge that, you know, we believe everything was like a, a perfect paradise and, you know, there was no, there was no sin, there was no destruction, there was no decay, um, you know, which is why, you know, people, by the way, live really long time um, and, and before the fall. So in theory, if Adam and Eve never would have disobeyed God, they could still be living here right now um, in a perfect world in theory. However, when they disobeyed God, sin entered the world and everything started decaying and dying. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of like basic Christian understanding is everything was perfect um, before sin and then it wasn't. So that makes you go, wow, even more. Yeah. But I have really, your ropes, really, too, whenever really, you like them. That's a really yeah. big wow. Like that yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Basic misunderstanding. Totally. No, no. no. Wow. <laughs> it's no this is standard Christian doctrine. No, I'm not, don't, don't get, don't, don't think it is disrespectful. I find that very awe striking that people would hold that to be the case that yeah. prior to the fall, nothing died, nothing happened right. on the planet that was devastating. No earthquake, right. no storms, no tornadoes. Whoa. Wow. I don't think that's the there universal. Were none. So the idea is that what we know for sure is there was no human death. Right. But guys like Hugh Ross will make an argument that animals that existed did eat. Right. So there would have been that kind of demise of creatures or like Adam ate an apple or whatever. If there is a fruit in the garden that he's eating, that thing is coming to the end of its existence. So we can't I don't know if we can safely say there was absolutely no demise of anything that existed. Any well, I mean, I, tr I, mean I tried to th I mean, yeah, I mean, I tried to thread the needle carefully to. Be inclusive of all non-heretical viewpoints. But yeah, and basically that. Like, and, you know, there are people that will say, you know, the animals, um, you know, they were all like vegetarians or whatever, or vegans. <laughs> That's, I'm sympathetic to that, but whatever. The point is, uh, you know, this, the, everything is about 
the human soul, Jesus, redemption, death. It's all about humanity. So, I mean, you know, if a plant was harmed in, in, in this perfect utopia, great. Uh, maybe the plant was like, I'm a plant. I can speak. I'm so happy to be eaten to give you nourishment. Maybe it wasn't bad. Maybe it was a continuous existence. I mean, it can get weird quick. But the point is, um, yeah, we, we don't believe there is like destruction and natural disasters and, and stuff like that. Oh, Kevin G has a really good point. He says even growing cells go through mitosis, which would eliminate the first cell. So even growth would lead to the lead to the demise of something else. So if that's the case, then we must be, and we can pull this from other parts of the Bible as well, but we must be speaking about death to humans, that that kind of, you know, and animals. Uh, yeah, and not 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 um, not a perpetual existence of all things and a happy, wonderful rainbow. Well, yeah, I mean, we are. I think I, I think I agree with what you're saying, Steph. I mean, we are the like you know, well, all animals you know, are the, you know, we're kind of the ultimate um, uh, ship of Theseus, right? Because, you know, all of our cells, you know, re you know re replace and regenerate and all these other things, right? So, you know, we are, you know, we are, quote unquote, not identical to what we were, even I think it's, is it seven years or 10 years or 12 years or something like that? Maybe somebody knows the actual biology of it. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, I agree with what you're saying in that, you know, if change you know, like when you're talking about cellular mitosis, I, I agree with you. All right. All right, Nate, please let me speak about before and after. Because the garden was full of things to eat. The, the garden was full of things to eat before there was ever an atom. So something was eating out of the garden before God ever made a man out of dirt. So were things dying before God made man because things were being eaten out of the garden? Well, I think ask a Calvinist that like death, when you're saying dying, does, does a broccoli die when you eat it? I mean, plant life as we know it is different than animal life, right? We know a chicken dies when we're going to eat it. So does broccoli die in the same way a chicken does? Probably not. Oh, I murder some broccoli on a daily basis. Let me tell you something. I'm not saying broccoli not good. I think too that some of some. I'm, I'm not saying like I take this here. I'm not. I'm honestly not sure where I stand. But um, some take the viewpoint of like that it comes down to dominion, right? Um, that it wasn't intended, like how some people say about like plant death and animal death. But right, God gave us dominion over all the earth, so that we could, you know, eat. Um, the animals and eat the plants but, and that it would be right what you guys were talking about before about just human death because we are the pinnacle of God's creation well yeah because I mean assuming the biblical story is correct right then you know people would have been here after like the Bible talks about animals and creeping things right and those creeping things had to eat stuff right um, and, and we know that most uh, or not most a lot of insects are uh, at least omniv omnivorous, if not uh, carnivorous, right? So they would have been eating other other things, right? So. Anyhow. From, from a simple point of view, I guess my question, uh, thank you for let, ha having me up here, uh, is that, like, why wasn't there any death before the fall? 
because that's literally the definition of the fall is the introduction of death into the world. Through one so man, death entered the world, death through sin, through the one man, Adam. Romans 5, 12 through 20. Yeah, but you're, you're accepting the caveat of human death, right? No, I would I would say all animals as well. That's been the that's been the traditional Christian model for two thousand years. Wait, um, why? I'm not going to deviate from that. Why would you? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It, it literally doesn't matter. What we're talking about in terms of the fall and the efficacy of the fall, we have a curse of creation. We have the the curse of you know natural evil occurring like all these minute questions about did worms eat dirt and did other stuff eat the worms like none of that matters that's not what that's not the point of what we're talking about the point of what we're talking about is what happened to man at the fall what happened to creation at the fall we know that the creation was corrupted and we know that man was corrupted those two things but there was no fall comment in the chat that's i think the... for bob Christopher in the chat says the garden of Eden where Adam uh, did was did not exist before Adam was created. So Genesis two, eight says the Lord God planted a garden eastward of Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed already. So the garden did not pre-exist Adam. Predated. Well, that's, that's, that's about a Calvinist view. No, no, listen, those, those... listen again. Genesis 2 8, the Lord planted a garden eastward of Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed in the past tense. Gonna have to take that one up with Moses, man. I have to deal with Chris and Nate. Moses ain't around. <laughs> so pr prior to the fall, um, is it the commonly held belief of the God believers and Christians alike that predators were vegetarians? That is the historic Christian belief. So if you want to go back through church history and read what the church fathers said and all that stuff, that has been the historic Christian belief. Um, so. so, And I'm going to be, that... for the record, I'm going to be less sympathetic to that view i you know because the historic christian but it's like chris said the point is it's not too relevant but if you're like it's not relevant to salvation right but if you're going to dig into this order of creation stuff it does become incredibly relevant uh in the accuracy of the bible we believe the bible is accurate so i would not hold to the idea of animals being vegetarian or vegan i think there's plenty of room for them to have eaten each other gotcha okay so you're willing to to you know be a little flexible in that regard personally yes because mainly because of i i really enjoy the work that hugh ross does again not as an old testament theologian but as a scientist he digs into how they could these things fit together and i find those arguments compelling whereas i find other arguments compelling i mean again like i don't think hugh ross is very compelling I think that Hugh Ross is trying to sandwich things into the scripture that aren't there, but that's okay. Um, and, and, and Steph would say that, that the guys that I like are trying to sandwich stuff into the scripture. So this is, again, where we can be charitable and Steph and I can both be in the same Christian faith. And on secondary issues, like were T-Rexes eating grain? Like, you know, whatever. I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Um, you know, and literally anything about 
creation, and, I, and I've said this to atheists before, and everybody goes nuts. It literally doesn't matter to me what any science says. It doesn't at all. And I think that Rabbi Uri takes the same stance uh, for a lot of things. So you're going to see theists that are going to be like, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care. It, it literally doesn't matter. It, it does nothing to the truth claims of the scripture. Yeah, no, I would just say, to insert myself back real quick. Yeah. Uh, well, I was just kind of like in Genesis 130. So I may retract my, my thing about everything. So like, you know, if Adam picked a the Middle East equivalent of a dandelion and blew it, I guess he killed the plant. But Genesis 130 talks about, uh, you know, God gave every green plant for food for humans and animals. So I would say that could be evidence that animals didn't die and maybe they did like the leafy stuff. Uh, but plants, yeah, plants, um, they got eight. Yeah, but by yeah, no means bringing these, out some. Uh, by no means are, by no means are these challenging questions trying to uh, challenge your faith and your belief. I just find it interesting that there's quite a preponderance of evidence that does not support that belief of prior to the fall, right, or even post fall, right? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, and and if it if if it is simply a a matter of faith, I accept that. Well, I, well, welcome. Even, I don't even accept the fall, but go ahead. Welcome, Chris. No. Oh, I'm so interested. Yeah, Christopher, what's up? Oh, interested in hearing what stuff? No, let's see. How you doing? Yeah, I was just I was going to drop one quick thing in there. Like, yeah, go ahead. Like, you can hear me. I'm back for phone call. That um, one of the things I always invite people, just to, not you all, but just people in general to be careful of is that the the creation story that starts in Genesis that goes through Genesis 2 and 4 and to not blend it with the creation story that starts in Genesis or maybe 2 and 3 that starts in Genesis 2 and 4 or 5 um, where God forms man from the dust of the ground. But we have two creation stories about the same creation. There's not two different creations. And so when we read those narratives, you know, so that's nonsense. Stop right there. Well, no, no, hold on. Chris, you have to stop me to read that, bro. Let him finish. Because in Genesis 1, you have an order of days of creation and you have vegetation that exists and then you have animals and then you have man. Where in the in the Genesis 2 narrative, God forms man and there's no animals. God forms man and then he plants the garden. God says, it's not good that you should be alone. I'm going to create you a helpmate. And what does he do? He creates cows and chickens and goats. And then he, you see what I'm saying? So there's a different narrative of the same creation story that we have to be careful to blend them. So when we're talking about the garden, sure, I put that Genesis 2 text in there to show that God planted a garden eastward in Eden. That didn't mean Eden didn't exist. That didn't mean that there wasn't already existing vegetation, but there was a special planting of a garden that God did after he created man, where in Genesis 1, all the vegetation is created, he forms animals, he forms man, and in that Genesis 1 and 30 verse where it says everything that has life, that is the same word that's in Genesis 2 and 7 in terms of the breath of life. How animals got the breath of life, we can't. We don't see it the same way doing 2-7, but everything that had life, breath of life, which vegetation didn't have it, dirt didn't have it, etc., he gave the vegetation to eat. And so that's where I think you all are talking about there's a distinction between all those that have the life in them, human beings, animals, birds, fowl, fish, 
is separate and different and distinct from the vegetation, the fruits and the vegetables and what happens to their existence. And then they're no longer existing in that form. I yield. I don't mean to sound like Chris, but no. Well, I agree with what he's saying in one sense. So it's not that there's two different. You're not saying there's two different creation stories, right, Chris? You're saying that, that is what the narratives. Saying. Well, that, that may be sounding like what he said. I'm trying to help him out here to, to really understand no, what he said. Reflect what you think you heard me say. Two perspectives. So, so there's two perspectives, not two stories that are completely different. Is that what you're saying, Chris? Well, okay, wait. Is it is it's I guess it's two stories, but it's the same creation. So it is two perspectives. Two perspectives of okay. the creation. So it's not two creations. Okay. Yeah, that's so, that's, so you, that's what I was reacting to. Okay. Cool. Congratulations. Yeah. You avoided being burned at the stake. So are you saying that uh, just to be clear, so you so, Okay, thank you. Amen. So you're saying Genesis two is a recap of Genesis one? I am not because I know somebody that does that. And I, and when they do that, it's really dangerous because what somebody did with the recap was they said the Genesis, they said Genesis two was a, was a detailed account of the sixth day of creation in Genesis one. But then I'm saying to them, you can't do that because in Genesis one, the animals were already created. So you can't, so when they try, when you try to merge them together to make them one story, and I'll just say this, I think from a patriarchal perspective, this is what a so lot of people So they're not one story. Correct. They're not one story. So 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 Genesis two is a is a different creation from Genesis I, I, one. Nope. Nope. Didn't say that. It's a it's nope. a other place somewhere else. No, place. it's kind of like if you read the Wall Street Journal and the USA Today and they were reporting on a sporting event. Same sporting event, two different narratives. I mean, for the record, it's like, you know, whenever we talk about the different creation accounts and, you know, people have yet to call me heretic, which I, I usually just at least present this side. Not even I necessarily believe it, but I don't think it's heresy to say it is when people will take, you know, like uh, when we're talking about the age of the earth, usually they'll say, look, Genesis one, you see different things were created in the Genesis two. So, like, you know, in Genesis two, the, the, the water, like I'm going to mess this up, but like certain things were not recreated, like the earth wasn't recreated. And, you know, like certain things like the seas weren't recreated. So you can infer they already existed. So if people are trying to get to like an old earth creation, they may say something like, I don't know if you'd really say the gap theory, but they may something use that and say like, look, in Genesis one, when Adam was created, all this stuff, maybe, maybe something happened. Um, and, you know, a long amount of time went by. So then God created, uh, you know, God recreated some stuff like vegetation, but the earth already existed. So he didn't need to like recreate planet earth. He just, you know, brought back some vegetation. So even even when I like re present that as an option that I don't even necessarily believe, but I don't think it's heresy for people that try to use that to make the earth older or something like that. So I I don't think what he was saying is even that far. Unless I'm wrong. Okay. I'm going to do a victory lap. And it just goes right back to my point. Like none of this matters to the point that man fell Sin entered the world. That's the point. Right. So now yeah, I'm I mean, I mean really... why Bob thinks that man never fell. Bob don't, don't believe really. in Jesus. You really want to find that out, Seth? I really do. I Yes. 
<laughs> all right. Let's all right. It. Let me set. Let me set this up real fast. So, uh, atheist. <laughs> um, up until now, you've heard Christians arguing, but all of us who have been arguing um, still consider each other Christians. So we all agree on the salvation issues. Now, for the record, this is one where you know we disagree so much with uh, Bob's idea that we would say you know we we do have salvation issues. So notice the difference. Anyways, continue, Bob. That just sounds like a cope, Nate. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Bob. As long as Bob's not your uncle, right? Kidding. Ha ha. Has. I don't get it. Has the Lord shut you the mouth? You haven't heard that before. Bob's your uncle. It's a joke. It's a. It's like a, a pun. It's a funny line. I said a lot. Jokes. Nope. Um, Steph, you've never heard that before. I'm shocked. No. There's a lot of things. Don't gauge anything by that. I live under a rock. All right, well, I guess Bob is busy right now. Um, so, Steph, you're going to have to remain in suspense. That's divine intervention. I mean, maybe, right? Yeah, I, I do have a hard time with... Um, Yeah, like I said, I, going back to what, you know, like what James had brought up about kind of what I brought up before about, you know, kind of, you know, in inhospitability and stuff like that. But but there's even a bigger problem, at least for me, reconciling a carnivore eating what a herbivore would eat. Just be and and and, and again, if you take it on faith, I accept that. But it does seem to fly in case of biology well they would they would well, have uh, to have different physiology completely different physiology right well and again right and this is where i like i i feel almost bad for doing this but but again since it's like not a salvation issue in any sense and it's like just something that we don't know so it's like if you don't know god did it that doesn't make it wrong like if we don't know god very well could have done it right so like let, let's just Let's think for a minute. What are some crazy possibilities? Either God magically made carnivores be able to eat, uh, you know, herbivore stuff, even though they didn't have the right stuff because God, or they did have different physiology. And then after the fall, that changed. There's absolutely no way to even hint at proving this. But I mean, you know, you could probably we could spend thirty we we could spend like thirty minutes and come up with lots more scenarios that you know God did it because reasons. Um, it doesn't make it wrong. It just makes it unprovable. For the atheist and for the Christian, wholly irrelevant. No, actually, Nate, it is, it's demonstrable. It's demonstrable that these carnivores were never strictly herbivores. We can consider them possibly omnivores. However, but majority of their diet is meat. But Corletta, you're not understanding. You're missing the point. If what we say about the fall corrupts all of creation, all bets are off. If I believe in a man who raised from the dead. To change an a, a herbivore to a carnivore is nothing. Well, so you're just missing the point. Not only that, so, they believe in so evolution they, and they believe in adaptations. So no, no, it fits I do. It's in, their, it fits in if, their worldview as well. If it's so a matter of your faith, cats, if cats it's a matter of your faith, I'm not going to challenge you. Cats prior to the fall ate carrots. Is that? That's the idea. And that's fine. There might be a creature that ate carrots, but it would not have been a cat, would it? Unless God. Okay, because magic reasons. cat. Okay. Like, 
Yes, right. magic. Yes, that's fine. I, like that, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Like I, I understand. I understand how it sounds. Wait, why does it sound that bad? way? Too... Why can't no, it no, be I, different? I get... Why can't it just be different? So, it can be all of that, or it. I mean, you know, I, you say magic. That's fine. I get it. Sounds ridiculous. But if there's a god that created everything in existence, talking donkeys, talking servants, magic cats, sure, whatever. God also, God also made quantum physics. God also made bioluminescence. God also made echolocation. And all of those things, you're never going to be able to explain why it exists. But guess what? It does exist. Yeah, I think I think the one thing I think if you like I said I accept faith. I also readily accept I don't know. I think that that's sometimes the most honest thing we can say. But the person who uh, I don't I wasn't looking at my phone at the time who talked, you know, oh we believe in evolution so things could have changed because no, that what what you're suggesting violates the law of monophyly, um which things you know which states that things can't outgrow what the like their ancestry. So a carnivore has always been a carnivore carnivore, so if you're going to bring in evolution and I'm I'm not a biologist, but if you're going to bring in evolution, you should, you know, and again, I mean this in kindness, you should know a little bit more about what you're talking about, because what you stated, evolution wouldn't even allow for. Well, what, what would you say, like, James mentioned, like, something about, like, he, I think he even, like, that. was trying to, I think James was trying to charitably get to omnivore. He's like, well, they could even be omnivore. I mean, what 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 is a carnivore except an omnivore with a lack of options? I mean, I mean we already know about we already know about species that would in in fact become omnivore or herbivore if it's the case they couldn't be a carnivore or omnivore they would go to one uh one area of um, nutrient production right it's quite it's quite possible that one second bro one second bro one second bro another point I wanted to just chill. You're over talking. I'm asking you not to. I don't know why you're crying. So the idea uh, is that you are pretending that some law that you have uh, created through your observation is going to somehow like prevent the ontological reality of existence. That's just weird. But whatever. I think it's I think it's it's I'm very flattered that you attribute the law of monophyly to me. Um, But that's not the case. I didn't make this up. I wasn't right. yeah. doing that. <laughs> so, in yeah. the case of of a, of a carnivore not able to eat meat and find more meat, it's highly probable that species would probably die out. Yeah, selection. The only reason we're still talking about this, yeah. I can't imagine a reason we're still talking about this, unless it's just to be like, "Hey, Christians are stupid." Okay. No, so no, no. On? That's not the point. Well, why do you why do you uh, jump to that conclusion? By no means are we. I mean, that is a good point. Is there anywhere else we can go? We've talked about this. Well, I got a question to ask. Yes, Apollo, what's up? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess the sage says, "Ask a Christian." So I'll just ask a Christian this question: um, Do we guys worship um, God the Father, God is the Father, and the Son as well as the Holy Spirit simultaneously, or do we acknowledge all of those three beings as one? Yes. Okay, so I mean, they're not three if beings, identify they're three, three subsistences within a single being. If you want to be technical about it, three subsistences in a single being. Hmm. Correct. So, what do you define God to be? The ultimate unmoved mover. Unmoved mover. Uh, well, 
Yeah, the unmoved mover. Yeah, the unmoved mover. I guess <laughs> description is a bit weird, but I was gonna say, yeah, let's see. So uh, it seems it seems to be the case that Christians find the Father to be identical to God, or the omnipotent being that created the no, universe. That but then that's incorrect. That is incorrect. How is that incorrect? We believe the Father is one of the three subsistences within the being of God. Three subsistences. What do you mean by subsistence? A subsistence. Go ahead. Define it. Uh, Go ahead, Chris. A a, a subsistence is simply. uh, We would we would uh, talk about persons. Okay, so like uh, Boethius uh, talked about what persons are. So I would refer you to the works of Boethius to instantiate person. So you're saying that uh, three persons basically acts as the basis, the metaphysical basis for this one entity, which we consider God to be, correct? No. God is not, so made, then what's, God is not made up of parts. God is... But then a lot of the one being, what are you talking about? Yeah, again, I'm going to refer you back to reading Boethius. And so, why don't you go read Boethius and come back to us? Yeah, you're dodging. <clears throat> mm, okay, cool. Later. Yeah, he's either dodging or he's telling you it's a complicated subject that is not going to be like expounded upon in this five minute internet mm-hmm. conversation. And that mm-hmm. it would be better, it would more behoove you if you are truly interested in learning to actually go mm-hmm. and read something more exhaustive, not just an internet convo. That is, you know, is gonna uh-huh. like tire. You know, is gonna tire out very quickly. Yeah. So I think. It's... Yeah. Again. <laughs> Did you do that? Oh yeah. Well, we we know <laughs> when somebody wants to be yeah, a true like interlocutor. And... You were right about the no, Yeah. It's, and and concrete. Lie. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but concrete is correct. This is a very complex issue. We're not going to solve in five minutes on the internet. If you want to go debate the Trinity, knock yourself out. There's 95 Trinity rooms on Clubhouse every single day. Have fun. Repent and believe the gospel. Well, a simpler way to understand the the Trinity would be God is not... Who an egg, right? Huh? Just kidding. Kidding, go ahead. Yeah, God is not his um, name. God is not his ontology. God is his authoritative position. Um, and we would distinguish uh, Jesus from God the Father and the Holy Ghost, however related or married they are. And we would say that they share a authoritative position of God. I think that's a simple way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to define God as the unmoved mover, he is actus purus. Um, you know, this is all Thomistic stuff that you can go look up. Um, he expounds upon this in thousands of pages. Boethius defined what persons are. Um, we can understand what subsistences are, you know, but all of this gets into some very complex theological and philosophical stuff that's beyond the scope of this room. So we're not really Which God. You need to know absolutely nothing for the ultimate point of Christianity. Repent. Believe. Amen.
I mean, I, I don't get it, right? Like, I see how people can be like, oh, you're dodging. I, I mean, if that explanation wasn't simple enough, uh, I mean, you know, it's not going to be answered in a five-minute conversation. It's not. Like, it's very, very deep and unnecessary. If you have time on Earth, sure, learn about it. But if you want to know how to, you know, get on the right side of eternity, you don't, this is not a must-know. Like, the simplest thing that takes five minutes is God created you, you've done stuff wrong in your life, you've sinned, you're falling apart from God, be reconciled to God, Jesus came, God in the flesh, died for these things called sins that keep us from God. If you believe that, you repent, stop doing what you know is wrong, and follow Christ, ask him to save you, give you eternal life, and make you this thing called born again, that he says you must be born again, and commit to following him. That's it. And that took about, I don't know, a minute and 15 seconds. So the most important thing that a Christian could tell you um, in their belief system takes about a minute and a half. So there you go. Uh, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, but as far as the complicatedness of it, like some people will say you must do these rituals, you must do these tenets, you know, you must grow in knowledge, uh, you, you don't reach true enlightenment until the end or some stuff like that. Uh, and it takes years or a lifetime of study to achieve such a position. Where in Christianity, it's like the ultimate thing you can achieve is in a minute and a half conversation. So just saying, whether you believe it's true or not or anything like that, the ultimate thing in Christianity is like the first thing you know. And then, sure, you can spend the rest of your lifetime trying to get stuff that is, you know, going to be bonuses and cherries on top. But you're not going to be any more cool with God uh, than that first minute in conversation. I don't know how else to say that. Yeah, it seems like Apollo wanted a fight, and I'm always good up for a good fight, but I guess Chris wasn't. Well, it, I mean, it's just, it, it's exhausting. Like, I don't mind running through the basic stuff, but I mean, you know, because surely people want to know. Like, I, like you know, Pastor Sam kind of gets in a certain kind of way if he see, perceives someone as being insincere, and he'll kind of go after him. Like, well, look, man, as long as they're like a polite troll, I don't care if they're like, you know, cutting clips of crazy Christians for their funny YouTube videos. Ha, 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 wonderful. Um, but as long as they're like polite, then they can ask whatever trollish question they want because somebody listening is probably going to actually want to know the answer to that question, um, even if they are not sincere. Um, so that's kind of how I come at it. But yeah, at a certain point, I mean, it's just a waste of everyone's oxygen. Uh, Kevin G, what's up? Hey, man, what's going on? I'm just, uh, I thank God for Robocopy. You know what I mean? He makes file copies really fast, and uh, it allows me to be on the stage now. So what's up, guys? Good, good. Do you have anything, or are you just going to jump in now, when you uh, find something? No, I I, uh, I offer my little uh, note there on my toasts. I didn't know if you guys were still talking about the same thing as far as death in the garden and all that. but uh, No, we so found you... a worse topic, no. if you can believe it. Oh, okay, my God. What... <laughs> We've gone to the Trinity. What is the divine subsistence? Divine subsistence. Um, define that. Just ah, read both. Is a term someone made up to make God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit all one, but not in a way that would lead to a heresy. And yeah, all, all terms are made up. Literally yeah. all. I gave the reason why it was made up. I, I know terms were made up. Yeah, yeah. All. All, all terms are made up. Like, for example, oxygen, right? Uh, I'm sure it, it didn't give itself the name. We, we use nomenclature to kind of identify these things. Like, we, we try to, make, you know, to understand and facilitate them. Like, when people say the Trinity is not in the Bible, 
But what they forget is that we use the Trinity as a framework to facilitate an understanding of the one God. Uh, it's not that it, it, the truth is in, oh, finding the word Trinity or treos or whatever in the Bible. It's, it does the framework exist, right? Uh, there's other words that you will not find in the Bible that actually applies to the Bible very heavily. Um, for example, when you go to, uh, uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, some things here. Um, okay. Like the word, uh, discipleship, that's not there. Rapture is not there. Penal substitution is not there. Uh, vicarious sacrifice, theophany, right? The word theophany is not there, right? Christianity is not there, right? But we explain and talk about Christianity, right? The word Bible is not in the Bible. Uh, so the argument about, oh, the word doesn't exist in the Bible really just. Oh, no, that's not what I said at all. No, I, I know that's not what you said. I'm just saying I, I was just stating that in my in my statement. I don't know what you interrupted with. I kind of forgot what you said. Um, but you're addressing well, my okay, statement. So, my bad. No, no. Look, yeah, hang on. There's a uh, G and Jordy I want to get to real fast and then I'm going to leave you guys here and I'm going to run away. Uh, G, what's up, G? Do you want to ask anything or have a question? Yeah, how's it going, guys? Yeah, thank you so much for for pushing me here. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to talk about the Trinity, but I agree with you. Uh, it is a very complex subject, especially because there is no way for us to uh, lay down all the foundations to start talking about. There's so many verses and so many uh, things that we can go on the scripture to prove that God has three different essences and still being God itself, one being. But there is no way for you to come here on the stage and and wait for a single answer that is going to fulfill your desire to get your answer. That does not look like that. If you are not willing to spend time reading, studying about the subject, there is no way. Just like the Muslims, when we talk with Moses, they always ask where it is a single verse that Jesus itself is explaining about the Trinity. You will not find this in the whole Bible. Right. And but for me personally, before I finish my speech uh, to talk, it's just like I believe that that is made on purpose because the Bible is very clear that for the people that are very clever, they're going to sound as crazy. The whole book, you need to have faith in order to understand the Bible. I do love that point, G. I don't think we've met before, but stick around. I, I, I appreciate that because you know, there's so much like, you know, where Paul talks about like, you know, man's. Uh, you know, man's wisdom and, you know, this like high intellection, like articulate um, stuff that is just, it makes people feel so good and like posture, but it's utterly worthless and just makes them like go further and further, further down like these foolish hallways and rabbit holes versus like, you know, the discernment that comes from God. And it's like, it, you get discernment, we believe, like, you know, the Bible says, you know, whenever you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, whenever you're a born-again Christian saved by Jesus, then you have the Holy Spirit of God living with you, leading you and guiding you and giving you this element of what we call spiritual discernment. Um, and without that, it's like, no wonder, you know, Christians follow step one, two, and three, and we're like, oh, that minute conversation, repent and believe the gospel and follow Jesus for your eternal salvation, trusting him alone. And then we start reading, we're like, oh, look. I'm reading this other stuff now. Look at this pop out. Oh, look, Jesus says God in so many different ways, as yeah. if I was confused before. Oh, look, here's the Trinity. And this stuff just like pops out to me um, versus other people who are like, no, your God's a lie. Your Jesus is a lie. Um, or they're like, you know, he's certainly not God. He certainly didn't die on a cross. Now explain these like super deep, deep theological things. And the premise I'm starting from is it's all a lie. 
It's like, how do you want Christians to explain step like 52 when you completely deny step one? And it's like, th this is how, and like whenever, not yeah. to get on another tangent, but in John, mm -hmm. like when the disciples are like, you know, tell us plainly, uh, you know, or tell us why you speak in, in parables. Like they're wondering why he's speaking in riddles to people. And he says, because for some people, they are not meant to understand. So he says things that like for the spiritual discerning, his sheep who hear his voice, it's so plain. It's like written down where they say, where is Jesus as God? That's exactly what we see in all these places. It may as, it's so clear to us. It may as well say Jesus is God. But for and, these people who are not his sheep, almost done. For these people who are not his sheep, they're like, where does it say it? I am the father of one. Oh, we're the same. Oh, one purpose. Or like, I am that I am. No, that means I am going to buy a loaf of bread. It's like, like my goodness, even if you don't believe it, you could come up with less ridiculous examples than that. So anyways, I would say like with a Trinity, which is not even a salvation one issue, um, there's no reason we should expect that. And I, I think I just need to let the Bible uh, concede that the Bible has defeated my human mind because I was convinced for so long we could explain the Trinity in a way that even if people didn't believe it, they could at least understand how we view it. And turns out that's not really the case. So I'm like, I guess the Bible is true and Nate is wrong. So if people don't accept Jesus in the first spot, they're not going to have spiritual discernment. And this is all going to sound like nonsense to them. Wow, bro, that's, that's awesome. I, I just, before I finish, but that, that's, that's incredible because I was having this discussion with a friend of mine and he was trying to prove to me that he, he says that he's a Christian. He says that he believes in the Trinity, but he does not believe that Jesus is God. And he was showing me multiple verses trying to prove his point. Uh, which, of course, the Bible does indeed put Jesus, show his humanity, nature, but the Bible is very clear to show Jesus' uh, deity and divinity in nature as well, right? So whoever says that Jesus is not God is going to have like a tough uh, argument with me to describe what John, first chapter of John, uh, the, the first verse says, when the word was God, right? That's my point. Thanks so much, guys. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that point. And we were just having a conversation like, well, I mean, we have that conversation like every day. And yesterday someone was like, well, word means like uh, when Jesus was the word, that means logic and reason. We're like, why would you think that? Um, and, you know, for people who are confused in Revelation, I think in 19 or 21, yeah, I say it so many times you think we'd remember this stuff by now. And they do. I don't. I'm bad. But, you know, it says, and his name is called the word of God. And it's describing Jesus in Revelation. So I'm like, look, unless you just lived under a Bible rock and you've never read the rest of the book, like there's no missing missing what the word is. Like the word is Jesus. It says, and his name is called the word of God. Um, but uh, Jody, what's up, Jody? How are you I'm doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, Can good. you hear me? Yes. I'm right. Great. All right. So I, I just wanted to ask a question um, to stick to the title. And so, and I appreciate the room. I've been like since I've been here, I haven't been in there. So my question is about these verses, and then I then I pose my question at the First Corinthians 15 and 24 reads, The last enemy that will be destroyed is death, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Accepted. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So here we kind of see that everything should be put under Christ. And then when that happens and all things are subject to him, then that's when he is going to make himself subject again to the Father, that all things may be all in all. 
All right, so that's one. That's one verse, right? Um, the next verse. Whoa, whoa, I want whoa, to go whoa, 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 whoa! We're gonna deal with one verse at a time. Are you oh, asking? No is your question what that verse means, or are you trying oh, no, to build no. like a fourteen verse argument? Oh, absolutely not. No, that's why I prefaced it by saying three verses. Let's find. I don't even. We have don't. To we don't do three verses at a time. We're gonna do one. Well, well, hang okay. on. I, I, I just <laughs> want to know what the actual. Well, hang on. I, I just want to know what the actual question is. Yeah, so the question is yes. about yeah. um, after Christ's millennial reign, right? Is his kingdom going to be ruling forever and ever, like we see um, in, in the Bible and Revelation? Or is his reign going to come to an end, and then now he's going to be subject unto the Father? Is he given is his authority leaving, right? Or um, So that, that's, my, that's basically just my question. And I had a verse that showed that Christ will rule forever and ever. And then I had a verse you guys that are all that he's subject to the Father. <laughs> Absolutely not. And then, the, and then the last verse was just to show that as well. So that's my question. After the thousand-year millennium reign of Christ, his kingdom still rules on forever, or does it come to an end and everything is placed under the Father? His kingdom rules forever. Uh, the, hi guys, how is everybody? Thanks for not. Uh, hey, I'll be. You know, no, 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 you guys no, are. No, you, you guys are all racist. I just want to tell you that. No, I'm just joking around. No, 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 don't break uh, down. I'm kidding around, but uh, listen, I just want to say God bless you all, and I love you all. Um, if if I can, I'd be more than happy to answer this topic or wait my turn. Nate, just let me know. Um, I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll be honored. To uh, yeah, actually, perfect timing. Um, I'm gonna run away, and you answer it. <laughs> so I, I think I've made enough people mods to be to be absolutely dangerous. So you guys all have fun, and uh, I will <laughs> catch you later. I'm gonna listen in for a little bit if I can. But I'm I'm just gonna like fade off into the mist. But yeah, I'll, I'll be some perfect timing. Take care, Nate. Like, uh, right, take just care, before we do, um, Albie, if you wouldn't mind, I just want to say at this time, uh, raw men and me, the noodle spaghetti monster, bless you all. I do want to start with that. So thank you. May his noodle appendage ever be present upon you. Continue. Well, thank you. If he's, I hopefully he gives us good tomato sauce with that spaghetti. If he's a provider of spaghetti. Dude. Just I completely innocently gonna do. Well, then he's a good pagan god. Yeah, I had egg noodles last night. Does that count? <laughs> that actually sounds really good right now. Is that a sacrament to the? That's heresy. It that's sounds like carb poisoning. Diabetes is a real issue. <laughs> All right, Albie, you can speak to the actual oh question. Will, will Christ's kingdom reign forever and ever? Of which yeah. there should be no end. Maybe hey, what's up, Albie? How you doing? Hey, Jody. God bless you, my brother. It's a, hey, it's a, yeah, yeah, absolutely. What's up, bro? So, Albie, question. Can I just tell you the, to the verse? Oh, yeah, like, read them. Yeah, so it's first. These are the verses I was referring to. First Corinthians 15, 24. Uh, 24 to 28, because in 28, yeah, he's subject exactly. and so that God will be all in all, right? Exactly. And then in Revelation 11, 15. Mm -hmm. Revelation 11, 15. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. His Christ, he shall reign forever and ever. Mm -hmm. Speaking about Christ reigning forever and ever. 